All right. Let's start this thing up. Fucking well, well, well. <laughs> well, well, well. If it isn't Jesse Lubbers. That's me. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. First of all, thanks for doing this. I can't believe we haven't done this. I can't believe I agreed to it. I know. I, know. Um, I think I did this on a whim, or I, it was your birthday, maybe? Yeah. And then I was like, maybe they'll just forget. <laughs> When Cass told me you wanted to do it, I was like, he doesn't want to do it. He will do it, um, but I don't think he wants oh, to. She's like, no, no, he wants to. And I was like, all right, whatever. I'll, well, I'll no, it. I want to. <laughs> I will. I wanted to leading up to it. I w- will be happy I did it later on. Yeah. But the before and after is. I mean, I tried getting my dad on here for three years. Uh, you know, I was like, hey, you want to be episode 50? He's like, yeah, sure. Then ep- episode 100 comes around. Episode 150, I think we had him on episode 201. And now we're at episode 249. But here with my cousin, my best friend, closest thing I've ever had to a brother, Jesse Lovers. Maybe I'm the closest thing you've had to a brother in a way, too. <laughs> <laughs> that may be true. Um, it is It is interesting how uh, what family means and... Uh, and uh, you give what you get, so yeah. yeah. We I would consider you my brother. Yeah, we got. Re- I think we got really lucky in that we uh, grew up down the street from each other. We're a grade apart, and y- your parents had already raised two upstanding citizens, and you were like the rascal of the bunch. So like, you just got <laughs> you. We just got to spend a lot of time together, like yeah. ridiculous amounts of time. My parents, yeah, they were like, we did the hard work. We raised two kids. <laughs> this third one. <laughs> Who else would like to raise this child? Yeah. Any takers. Yeah. Grandmas, uh, sisters. So ended up at your house. I was spent summers in Puerto Rico and, and yeah. you know, did everything besides spend time with my parents growing up. Yeah. <laughs> Which was, I mean, it worked out great. It worked out great for us. Even coming down here, even when I would come down here and spend the night and whatever, it didn't feel like parents were around. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder what those conversations were like. Like, hey, we're going to sleep over Jesse's. Does anybody check is Jesse's parents home? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> do my parents know that there's five kids sleeping in the back? Probably not. Oh, man. Because it's not like there was like a family dinner and there was like a head count of like, oh, kids are coming over. Yeah. Like, yeah. Was there dinner at all? No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a time Sean ate dinner with my family. No, no. You ate dinner with my family a million yeah. times, but... Um, it, I've eaten a lot of meals down here, but it's always like aziti and meatball spread, like at a party or whatever. But I always, I always wondered. I'm like, what does Jesse, what does Jesse eat? I go over there for a sleepover, and the only thing in the fridge <laughs> is like three cans of Miller Lite and like frozen stromboli, maybe some fruity pebbles or something like that. Mm-hmm. Man, it would stress me out, you yeah. know. And and I'm not even like a big eater or whatever, but I'd be like, what the fuck? What are we gonna eat? What are we doing tonight? I guess the best is when we had parties, there was leftovers for a few uh, days, yeah. and then I would just go to you yeah. know, a grandma's or your house, and Jack would make some yeah. pork chops or something like that. The, the the cherry on top of there being no food or, or anything to drink is your water supply growing up was from the brook. Your dad just dropped a pump in the brook, yeah, and it fed into the house, and like you couldn't drink that water. Like Even in a moment of desperation, you really don't want to drink that water. I guess we could have not told people that's what was happening, but it was probably better <laughs> or funnier to tell people and uh, have them question it. Like, yeah. I guess I'm just not going to drink anything because you know the iced tea is made with or <laughs> Crystal Light, whatever my mom was drinking at the time. Um, you know, that was made with the brook water. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And we, you'd go and get in the shower and you'd like turn on the shower and it'd be like, <laughs> like sand would come out. 
Yeah, there's always sand in the shower and yeah, sand in the clothes when he got it out of the dryer. Yeah, I mean, l- like growing up down here must have felt like kind of like I don't know, kind of how I think about camping or whatever. You know, one bathroom for five people. You know, uh, there was always a septic. Like it feel like the septic was an issue. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that happened a lot when I was younger, but I'm just now that I own this house, I'm just like, when do I have to worry about this? Yeah, but maybe I was the problem, like flushing things down the toilet. Uh, I'm not sure. But. Definitely. Didn't you guys have goats and stuff too, and had, ferrets and? Yeah, it was, there was a wide array of animals growing up. Peacocks. They're all buried around here. You know. Were you guys? I like. I feel like Sean has so many stories about you know not being able to sleep at your house because he always thought there was like a ferret in his. I mean, it was. <laughs> yeah, like, it was interesting. I don't know the rationale. I don't know what my parents talked about before they got an animal. <laughs> like, it's like, all of a sudden, one day, three goats come in the house, right? Yeah. And there's three of us, so each son gets a goat, I guess, and we get to name it. <laughs> Did that happen that day? My dad sees three goats and is like, I'm going to buy some goats. Yeah. And... I don't know, like, or did my parents like sit there in the spring and like, you know what? I think we should, um, you know, buy some goats. I think it would be good for the kids. Like, I don't think these conversations were no. happening because I think the goats came into the house and my dad's like, wait, where are these goats gonna sleep? Mm. And then I think we we had this like old, like dog house that I think we made three goats sleep in. That was probably like a two by three for the first night. And then we bought some fencing and put around my sandbox, and the goats just took over my childhood sandbox, and that's yeah. where they were. And then eventually built something bigger. I was like, mm, I think my dad just came home one day with something. Spur of the moment. Like all of a sudden a pig is in the house. And I'm just like, yeah. and then they would have a pig. And then they would just still leave. Like they would disappear. And I remember we had that party one time. And there was Boris the pig was like running around the party. I was like, yeah. did my parents give me directions what to do with this pig? Yeah. <laughs> like there was just a pig in the house. I don't yeah. know where it was supposed to be. When I think about it, actually, you know. Because we always talk about the mistakes our parents made and how like crazy our upbringing was and everything, but then it's like the the way that that you guys were raised like made you really adaptable. Like I don't know, it, like it made you smarter. It, there wasn't a lot of explanation, you know. It's just like yeah, no explanation. Yeah, it's like um, Maria always says I have a lot of patience because I think like situations arise and you kind of just have to deal with them. You can't overreact yeah to them and. I just learned to go with the flow. Yeah. Like, goats are in the house. I guess we now have goats. Mm. Um, my parents, you know, they would just always come home with a dog, like a new dog. Like, no, <laughs> no, Jesse, would you like to have a dog? Or what dog would you like to get? And, like, maybe go to the pet store or, you know, a breeder or whatever. And they would just come home. My dad's like, oh, we got this Louie. Um, I was in St. Louis, and there was a dog, and I now have a dog named Louie. I was like, oh I hated it. But it was just always, like, yeah, a little stress, but, like, what what can you do? You just have to deal with it. You just, just go with the flow. I remember you guys put up a, an electric fence. That was an interesting era of being down here, the electric yeah. fence era. <laughs> well, it's like the, you know, the ripple effect of having a goat mm. is they get bigger and bigger, and then we got more goats, and then they take over half the property, and they were like, okay, well, we don't want them jumping in the pool, mm-hmm. or like the neighbors <laughs> would always get, we'd get called from the neighbors that there was a goat somewhere else, so we surround the fence <laughs> or the property with this electric fence. Which was more of a hazard to us. Of I think course. goats were way smarter than me and my friends. Yeah. Um, you know, there's this electric fence that I've I had a few run ins with and <laughs> and I always lost. Oh yeah. I remember there there was like a like a slush ice puddle. I was walking by and like slipped and you grabbed the electric you know. Yeah. You had a cattle prod that I literally saw a cricket stick in the side of you and hit you with and you went 
down, man. Well, that was actually Jamie. Oh, Jamie yeah, that did that. Okay, that was Christopher Jamie. is, that's not that brother. Yeah. But Jamie's the one that would stick me with a cattle prod. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and he'd dad, be proud of it to this day, probably. Yes. Yeah. But I think my dad hit him even harder after that with the cattle prod. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. He's like, okay, yeah, all right. That's that's It's permissible, but you're going to get yours now. Yeah. Um, we should talk about uh, Bob Lubbers, but, you know, before we even get into our, our shit. Your dad really paved the way. Like, I mean, he's an old school wild man. Like, I, I don't even know if they make him like that anymore. I don't know how a person could become like that now. He took yeah. full advantage of the era of there not being cameras. Cameras. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's really a man of the times. I would say. <laughs> I would say, uh, yeah. The the think of the the spectrum of Bob Lovers. Um, there is the. Is there a guy you know more about? stealing and taking things that aren't his but then also maybe the most trustworthy man that and you generous know. and the most, generous the most generous um i'm not going to call him robin hood but then yeah like the his out wild side but then you see him as uncle bob and mm. he's the most compassionate person with yeah. everybody but sat has sat with caitlin more than anyone i can think of and just played connect four with her and she still cherishes that stuff you know yeah, no. extremely generous but also could be scary you know yeah there, if there's the, the duality of your dad was kind of wild yeah i mean the amount i talk about my upbringing and my parents being somewhat absent and then the um, like the because that was the time that they wanted together like they were very um in love in love and focused on spending time together yeah but then on other times his generosity with this time of helping everybody with every project whether he knew what he was doing or not, he mm -hmm. may break, I think he broke your guys' like uh, heating system in your house or something like that. Oh, I, I woke up one morning uh, at my parents' house to the smell of burning plastic, and I'm like, what the fuck? I wake up and I go to turn on the light. The light won't go on. Uh, him and my dad were messing around up in the wiring and fucking fried my computer, my TV, ev everything. And I, and I was like, Bob, what the fuck? I can't get it. He said, let me take care of it. He just took everything that fried out and returned it to me like three days later all fixed. I don't even know where he could have taken it or what, it, <laughs> what, what the fuck was that? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, he would be the guy that everyone would call. Grandma, my parents, you name it. Anybody that needed anything would call your dad. You know, he, he was born, raised in the Bronx and then spent, uh, I don't know what, age started really spending a lot more time up here we're like an hour and a half hour north of the city yeah hopefully nobody in my family watches this because i'll probably have it all wrong but <laughs> yeah it was like his um teenage years started spending the summers up here mm -hmm. um with my his his grandmother my great-grandmother who lived down the street from my mother's side of the family and so yeah it was his teen years is coming up here and you know basically moved up or pursued my mother and you know just after high school started yeah. working they were living in the bronx for a couple of years before they bought this property um you know a place where they used to go hang out and campfires and smash the windows of the shack that was here um so you they know. bought the shack yeah and they because they wanted to move close to family and you know the little village was just developing and this was on the outskirts kind of a nice little property mm. and they decided to wing it out here like you said it's it's a mile away from suburbia or like a little bit of suburban area yeah and like it feels like you're in the middle of you nowhere. can't see anyone else you can't hear anyone else back here it's kind of wild we've had so many adventures but to think that maybe we'll get a shot of the house to insert here or whatever but to think that this started as like a living room shack and your parent it was like their whole life it was their a project it was like always you know yeah 
And it was always, uh, my mom tells me when I was thinking about moving back here, she's like, this was never your dad's dream home, which is interesting hmm. for me to think about. Like, he wanted to get something as like a starter home and then go do something else was the plan. Mm. But then little by little, built on, built on, and, you know, was basically still completing projects, you know, to the day he died. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, and you walk me th- walked me through it when I the house when I first met you it was like oh this is where uh Jesse Cricket and Jamie all slept in this like bedroom <laughs> that was a like this big that's like what eight by eight it's like smaller than a prison cell and then the ceilings are low yeah the and, ceilings and were low all three of you guys are in there <laughs> and my dad loved um uh, skylights dome light and there was a dome in the middle that just leaked all the time so <laughs> there was like three of us in this prison cell and it was carpeted walls I don't know what, yeah. the, what the I guess they just didn't want to buy paint they just had some extra carpet uh, carpet of the walls yeah. the, the ceiling was cork board yeah and this this little bubble wasn't a real window it was just a bubble that I don't know where he found it this yeah. little dome and it was in the middle of the room always leaking oh, always generating heat too you know what I mean <laughs> like pretty pretty crazy i mean i i remember I, like in the summers i would like i'd be so excited i'd like get up in the morning and it's summer and my mom would be like okay well, you know ride your bike down to jesse's i'd show up down here at like 10 30 in the morning i'm like come in i'm like it's quiet as a, a mouse and i'm like what the, everyone's still asleep like to me that was so far out because we're in like such a like a young family you know four kids all close in age and like my parents were were in the opposite stage of their parenting than yours yeah, you know they were like duh, 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 on it, you know, driving us all over the fucking place. And I come down here, and everyone's asleep at ten thirty. I would sleep over here, and I could not believe, like nobody would be up till like eleven o'clock in the morning. But I think about it, like your dad was commuting. Un- like I think about where he was commuting to, and I'm like, how how exhausted this guy must have been yeah. just from that. You know, was there a point where you re- realized? Um like how much of a legend your dad was like while he was alive or when you were a kid? That's a good question. Um, Cause obviously when he passed away, um, you felt it, but I think I always knew and I, I, I didn't like to think about it. Cause like sometimes I got like mad because he was uncle Bobby. Yeah. Not like, you know, someone that you would say he's the best father in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he was a pretty great father. But, like, he was more known as this amazing guy at work, this amazing uncle mm-hmm. and friends to everybody. Yeah. Um, it just felt like my time with him was very short. Yeah. And so I could get mad at him growing up a lot and want to leave. Mm. I didn't see him as that until much later on. And then I, like, think about many, many regrets. And because I, I would mess with my parents later in life and... I started moving away, and then that's when they wanted to see me. Yeah. And so they would say, hey, Jesse, we're going to come visit you in Corning, New York, where I was living for a minute. Yeah. And I was like, actually, I'm going to be out of town. I was like, you guys can stay at the hotel because I was like living <laughs> at a hotel. And they actually took me up on it, and they stayed in my hotel and like had a great weekend in Corning, New York without me, and I just <laughs> like left to go somewhere else. They did the same thing in, in Pittsburgh. They were like, hey, we're going to drive to Florida. We're going to take the long route and drive by Pittsburgh. We want to see your apartment and where you're living. <laughs> and I was like, actually, I'm out of town. You can stay there, um, and uh, you can ride this little gondola. And they did it. Like They came all the way out there, had a great time. You're like, oh, now you're interested in me? Yeah. I'm busy, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I guess it was my way to get back, but now it's like a little bit of regret yeah. um, of like not getting to spend the time with them. No, it was cute. I, I remember we were in Washington, D.C. once, like having a fucking insane <laughs> blackout weekend, and like your, your parents were just there in the middle of it for a little bit. 
You yeah, know? like I was just hanging out with you guys. I don't even know how they knew I was in Washington. Yeah. I think I had driven from yeah. like Pittsburgh. And they're like, "Oh, we're going to Florida." Like, well, this uh, stop by. I'll we'll buy you guys dinner. Yeah, like okay. We'll that, that, that's when I spent probably the most time with my parents. Is this is No. What? Oh wait, the power went out. I can pause. And do it real quick. Okay. Sorry about that. I like it. <laughs> cool. Well, technical difficulty. I don't know. It's maybe, a, maybe that was your dad stepping in. Yeah, my dad. <laughs> he's like, well, you have all this electrical stuff. Let me just step right in here and tell you how I wired this improperly. So I always trip that breaker. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, why don't we, let, let's tell the story of uh, Lubber's Leap. That's a classic one. Hmm. Yeah, Lubber's Leap. Yeah, this was... I think I was like one or two, yeah, probably like Leo's age. Yeah. And from what I've been told, and I forget most things, um, he, we were coming home from a trip camping or something like that, and we had one of those old vans, and coming down the Taconic, deciding to can't hold um, a bathroom break until he gets home. I don't know how far away we were at the time. And uh, he decides to pull over, leave the wife and kids in the car, on the side of the highway, take a piss, and <laughs> which is, um, it's interesting later on, he's never learned his lesson or never did learn yeah, his lesson, yeah. but pulls over to take a restroom break and, um, you know, all these cars are going by, so he doesn't want to be showing off everything, so he decides to stand on this wall, and on the other side of the wall, there was like this grassy area, and he decided to leap into that grassy area to not have to pee in front of everybody. And that was actually not a grassy area. It was the tops of trees. <laughs> and uh, he had quite a fall. Um, I'm laughing now, but this was oh, probably geez. devastating to the family. Holy but shit. Uh, fell, um, broke his back several spots, um, and you know, never returned to the car. So I think my brother Christopher might have been looking for him because he might have heard him yeah. scream. Um, and he had to get airlifted out of there um, and uh, get, get go to the hospital. And he had two steel rods get put into his back um and you know they told him you know you're never gonna walk again and oh, you know, this is when prime is life like 32 34 something yeah. like that and uh yeah two steel rods these things you know technology back then you know this is probably like 1984 or five and um and uh somehow you know worked through it you know, no, nothing's going to stop Bob Lovers. That's like kind of his mentality. He didn't have a choice. I don't know if this <laughs> formed that mentality or if he had it beforehand. Yeah. Um, but, you know, nothing was going to stop him. And, you know, he went on to live even more of a prosperous life. Yeah. Um, nothing. It was like despite that, he was yeah. going to go do everything that he wanted to go do. And, you know, that story repeated itself, you know, obviously, you know, in 20, 2010, I think when he got hurt again. And, you know, another incident of just out at a job site and decided to walk out to cross the street jaywalking bob lubber style you know he his rule was you know they'll stop for me you know yeah. type of city attitude this is not something you should teach your kids <laughs> well especially because like, his father died the same way yeah my grandfather died by getting hit by a car but and uh but yeah he just walked out in the highway or out into a road in brooklyn and got rammed 60 miles an hour by a, a off-duty ambulance corps uh, volunteer ambulance thing or private ambulance thing and again, shattered his knee, knocked him unconscious. You know, internal bleeding in the skull, and it didn't look good. That was yeah, that was a, that was a bad day. Uh, that was really that was a bad month. You guys were great. You and your mom were like, seemed like you guys were like the best you've ever been, and like something you you just had to 
fucking be there for each other. Yeah, it didn't like, seem sad. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of lying to my mother about my dad's health and, and making <laughs> it seem more optimistic. I think my dad would have wanted me to do that. Yeah, and uh, but you know, everybody everybody said he's a vegetable. He will. He's dead. You know, just you yeah. know, you know, get your family here as soon as possible. And everybody was away, so we had to get my brothers back in town. But you know. I don't know how he possibly pulled that one off, you know, uh, recovering fully from that brain injury and that knee injury, you know, besides the brain injury, which is just a miracle on miracles, this leg injury, like he literally shattered his knee and they like, were like, yeah, like that you're, he's going to be a peg leg. And they did this amazing surgery. The surgeons down there were amazing. I don't know how that hospital was a dump, but the doctor down there was amazing. And then then he had this drop foot situation from his recovery, and but you know he didn't let it bother him. They were like, "Yeah, you're never going to be able to really walk. You can limp around." And wow. then he's like, "I don't care." And he just sat there with a rubber band, just pulling his foot, and was able to walk again. Wow! And uh, live a couple more years. Yeah, well, he, yeah, he probably really survived for your mom. You know what I mean? That was like, yeah. like they're they're the classic couple of all classic couples. You know, like I I appreciate it so much now that I feel like I'm in a couple like that. Yeah. Whereas like. This trumps all. Even if we had kids, yeah, this is this is the thing. That's probably why we're like we're not gonna do the <laughs> thing where we have yeah. kids. But at their age, it was probably like a little bit more accept, uh, expected. Mm. Yeah, and I guess there's a lot to be said for a, a choice to be together and and you know finding the right person versus someone born into your life. I mean, I think it's a, a different bond. Um, yeah, tighter in some ways, and and, yeah. and others like I mean. Um, the I've been we have a book I haven't read it I read the Cliff Notes version of it about unconditional parenting and mm. you know the kind of unconditional love that you have with a child and or that you want to have with a child and you know that's something I'm very conscious of of not having like conditions to my love yeah. in any relationship mm. like it's not like Maria if you act this way then I'm not going to love you yeah um, I think my parents are those unconditional love type people. That, yeah. you know i i want in all my relationships it's something to envy yeah uh, but it takes a lot of work um yeah. and i saw my parents put in the work and that was actually it doesn't relate to the story uh directly but it kind of does um you know we were out the other day at a park just playing with leo and and, and maria's like she's like you know i just don't understand she's like i love the way that you're trying to raise our child but she's like sometimes i can't watch it <laughs> and because um, I try to let Leo do whatever he pleases yeah, as yeah. long as he's not bothering somebody else really. Mm. And I just let him go out and cause a ruckus, get very close to injuring himself. <laughs> uh, but I'm always there like yeah, yeah. 10 steps away. Maybe I should be five steps away. I'm not sure, but she's just like, I can't watch it, but I love that you're doing that and mm-hmm. just letting him kind of to live his life. And like, cause I want to set him up for success. Yeah. Like I was like, I don't think my dad was consciously doing that to me and my brothers, right. like to like let us go do whatever we wanted. But like, I'm so afraid of being the opposite because most kids yeah. try to overcompensate for the things they didn't get mm. when they do their parenting, and they're like, "I'm not." My parents never did this, so I'm going to do it. But I was like, my dad did some really great things. I wanna, totally. I want to make sure I give Leo that same thing. Those old videos, you you had videos from like the mid 80s and it's so crazy. Like you're fucking in diapers like down in the brook 
he's barely paying attention to you. Jamie and Cricket are climbing trees that, like, you're like, geez, like it's stressful to watch this footage. Yeah, and it's it's crazy. I mean, Cass was just stressed this just when you guys walked in. <laughs> no, yeah, because you have the the bridge over the brook that has no railing. And Leo's just <laughs> he's like walking ten st- feet uh, ten steps ahead of you, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna walk next to Leo if we're in the, this, is, this is I can't do this. Yeah. So I feel for Marie in that uh, regard. This was this was like honestly, I couldn't have thought of a better f- fucking place to have for us to like grow up and just like it was just like a blank canvas to do whatever we wanted. There's trails, there's woods, there's all kinds of things to discover back here. Like to this day. All my dreams take place down here, and I can't figure out why beyond this has been the most consistent place in my life. You know, mm-hmm. like, we moved a lot. We moved, Like, I didn't have a lot of time in any given place. So, yeah, I think a lot of my, like, a lot of my memories take place. I know this place like the back of my hand. So all of my dreams take place between here and the deli we would go to down there, Ron's. Was that, was that what it was called? It was Ron's at the yeah. time, yeah. It was like a one-mile radius of here is like seems to be where my dreamscape is. And it's very strange, and a lot of our adventures is, just keep playing out in that world. But, um, you know, I think we were good kids for the most part. I I feel awful about, like, playing frog baseball. You Ooh, know what I mean? There, there's, some there's some cringe. Childhood things that, yeah, cringe-worthy. <laughs> um, but you got to do it. You, gotta, you don't find, like, a good boundary in life unless you cross a line a few times yeah and you know what it's like um because if you live this little life like this where you've never done something you kind of regret and look back on and like cringe you probably didn't live to the fullest extent yeah and we did a lot of crazy things that could have left us injured dead friends dead yeah um just stupid (sighs) things we all survived i don't know how um but I think those are some of the best memories ever and yeah. allowed me to kind of live a life of living a little bit further out than some people are comfortable oh, with. Oh, absolutely. And I'm trying to think of like when, like, uh, like we talk about your dad being so legendary and like I, I've, my dad has similar qualities, you know, like a fuck up in a lot of ways, but like helped hey. a lot of fucking people and still does. But like, I'm like, when did we kind of become. Like when did our story start? Like I know we were, we fucked around a lot and we did our thing and like I'm I'm really glad that uh, looking back like we didn't start drinking or smoking pot in our teens or yeah. you know what I mean and like to, we were so kind of against that that like when our friends and I regret this too like when our friends would start drinking we'd cut them out you know what I mean it was yeah. it was like it was like it's just like a loss of innocence it just felt like that was one thing I think both of our moms imparted on us it's like be young while you're young. Don't try to be older than you are. You if, know? They, if they imparted on us, I don't know how they did, but they, because <laughs> I, I don't remember it being told to us, but yeah. like all, it was in me. Mm. Um, and speak, yeah, like what was the age? You know, I really, I think I became conscious in high school. Yeah. And I started making some of my own decisions yeah. and things that are, I, I thought, like looking back on it, yeah, not drinking, but like going to the party where everybody's drinking. Yeah. And then, I feel like I, I was known a little bit as the guy like, well, you know, take care of things. Like yeah. I would help prep for the party. I'd clean the party. Yeah. I'd probably hold people's uh, hair back as they're vomiting. Yeah, yeah. Make sure people get home all right. Like for some reason I was worried about people and, you know, and, you know, the really bad actors in high school like yeah. that would take advantage of some people. Mm. And I remember having parties here when I didn't drink and, and you'd see those creepers. 
And like, I was just conscious enough to say like, yeah, we're keeping an eye on that guy. We're yeah. keeping him away from that girl that might've had too much to drink. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we shouldn't have given her something to drink, but okay. That's, that's what a, happens. You know, we'll, we'll look out and, uh, started making, I guess, evolving from there. But, you know, yeah. I think like, I don't need to ask my parents for me. I don't tell them about these things. That's when you're just kind of making your own decisions off in your life. And, yeah. And building a reputation, I guess. I think that's when, like, because if I remember, like, man, we were, it's it's so dorky to think of now, but it's kind of adorable. Like, we were as late as, like, maybe 14, 15 years old, like, excited to go sleep over grandma's for the yeah. weekend and, like, set up our Nintendo over at grandma's and play cards with her all weekend and stuff. And then my family moved down to Florida shortly after, and I feel like that's when I had an awakening, that's when you had an awakening, because I remember coming back, um, like, during high school, and, like, we went from just playing fucking Mario Kart, getting way too good at Mario Kart for years with just, like, we had two other friends, and that was it. You yeah. know, we had, like, two friends, and then we moved down to Florida. We started making more friends. I came back. All of a sudden, you were friends with everyone. You had a job at Lou's, the deli, and um, you started having parties. I think that's when the yeah. legends started to form Because, yeah, one, once you lose, you know, your best friends yeah. and you guys really suck for leaving but like it was probably the best thing for us yeah because it opened up my world and at the time we had just started kind of tiptoeing into a group of people yeah that i really didn't like yeah i know and and (laughs) i was like why are we with these people yeah and i made a decision i think in like 10th grade i was like i am cleaning house i'm not hanging out with these people anymore yeah and i'm moving on to like another group of people that were maybe more interesting or more in line with my thinking at the time much more hardcore yeah like we went from you know hanging around with the people that were getting perfect scores in the sats and lining <laughs> their life up perfectly athletes like this and that to like people that were barely making it through high school people that were getting thrown in rehab yeah you know it just the, the fuck-ups of all fuck-ups you yeah know? we just ended up loving those guys i think it had a lot to do with um working at this punk rock deli lose your brother Jamie was probably the first one of us to get a job there. Then you got in there as a beer and soda boy. You got me in there. We got Megan in there. And like it just it, it continued the tradition. But all of our friends came from there. Everyone at that deli was a punk rocker. We started getting into punk music probably middle of high school. Yeah. And that was a game changer. That was that was a big uh I feel like for us, formed our values for years to come in a lot of ways. Like it gave us space to be wild. And it wasn't that wild, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the amount you learn by being around wild people. Yeah. Because, I don't know, it was just, like, I, I got to learn lessons kind of through other people. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to do heroin. Doing, you know, coke in the bathroom at this party, that yeah. seems stupid. Even smoking pot did not look good. It, Nothing it, our yeah. friends were doing looked good. Nothing looked good. Um, <laughs> but it was still, it was, well, it was funny. It was, um, oh, God, it was it did, It did not look like something I want to try on. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think we prided ourselves a little bit on, like, having our shit together and not drinking. We weren't straight edge, but, like, it was just you not had, time yet. You had more creative pursuits, like... Um, I don't know. I feel like you guys were always up to something. Throwing parties, you know, prank calls. Just to, like we were the entertainment. We were the ones that would like get the group of people together and, you know, make shit happen. Yeah, I like Cass's comment. Of, we were up to something. and uh, <laughs> Because I think everybody knew it and everybody 
kind of silently like was like what are they doing even though we were most of the time we actually weren't doing anything yeah, yeah. they're like what are they up to i don't trust them <laughs> yeah, and i just yeah. like that mystique like we like sean said we're the straight guys in the group like we don't have mohawks tattoos you know leather jackets or anything yeah. like that we're just at all these parties and I'm like these guys are up to something we, we can't have this and in a weird way we were it's like it's crazy that we were like the most the biggest troublemakers and we weren't doing any that's probably why because we had an we had energy to spare and creativity to spare yeah and uh a mental awareness to get away with it oh yeah totally we got away with everything yeah like I, I remember thinking that a lot of times. It's just like, is there any way to like get caught like doing the stuff we do and like, stealing so much stuff and fucking with people and like? It is very, very sad these days. Um, I saw the the news headline today was some stupid TikTok craze of stealing stuff, and this is exactly what I used to do. I would steal everything I can get my hands on, and I never wanted it or needed it. Mm-hmm. And I usually ended up just putting it somewhere as a joke, you know to like leave it somewhere yeah um you know people are going to these high schools and like stealing you know tiles off the floor like oh, come on <laughs> but they're doing it on tiktok and i was like you know you're gonna get caught right like there's wow. no way not to get caught and i was just like i don't know amateurs well you guys were ushered in by i think the pro of all pros and your dad your dad was the pro of all pros from what i understand my dad I couldn't believe it th- though we have another story about how we learned about the um the, the definition of an alibi i think <laughs> my dad always had a cover story and there was always like when i first saw him steal something i think i was like in kb toys he was getting me something and it required batteries so he bought the toy and the batteries were always sitting by the register and as we we're leaving he just grabbed a bunch of batteries threw them in the bag and walked off yeah and like did it kind of openly and like like, I don't know if the cashier saw him or anything, but I saw him. I was like, I know that you're supposed to pay for those. Mm. And he's like, oh, they just left them next to the counter. I thought I needed them. I didn't know. And I was like, that's an interesting way to live life of just like <laughs> kind of like claiming ignorance, but it's kind of a planned ignorance. And like, you know, when mm. you go to the mobile mart and like steal wood or, you know, those um, crates of sodas. I remember being with him once and he's just filling the trunk with Mountain Dews, <laughs> cases of Mountain Dews because they had an outside display. He's like, oh, I thought these were free. <laughs> and I was like, it's fascinating. We're walking out of the mall once and, uh, you know, they have right outside of the, the store, uh, like it, it had started raining. So they put out this display of umbrellas and like he didn't even look at them, walked by and grabbed them all. And <laughs> we just got in the car <laughs> like, you know, and I was uncomfortable. I was very uncomfortable with stealing. Um, but like kind of seeing how he did it and even, even like with his, with his job, like he would bring home stuff and you're like, Whoa, what the fuck? And I remember helping with some of that. Yeah. Like we'd go down to his work and he'd be like, Hey guys, uh, I'm going to go grab something from the office. So fill the back of the car with these boxes. And we didn't know what we're doing. <laughs> what talk about an alibi. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I told him to pick up my briefcase. I don't know what they're doing with these boxes. But, you know, then he gets in the car, doesn't look at what we put in the trunk until we get home, and that's, like, everybody's Christmas present in the family, you know? <laughs> For years to come. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he... he uh, A little bit of Robin Hood there. Yeah, he, he <laughs> kind of showed us, uh, not not showed us the way, but showed us, like, you can, you can do stuff like that. And then uh, I remember our first... Like, you, you were probably stealing stuff before me, and I, I would help you, but I, I remember feeling like I, I, I wouldn't do it. And then KB Toys started leaving their fucking video games outside of the store yeah and we just like they were every week we would just go there and steal uh sega genesis games yeah 
I didn't even own a Sega Genesis you game. You did it for me. <laughs> and I just took everything, and I was like, oh, Sean has it. I guess I'll yeah. just give him all these games. Yeah, man. Stealing shit. Man, does anything give you a rush in this life like that? Like, that that's, like, kleptomania is a real thing. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I It's been a battle in adulthood not to do it, and probably one of the one of the scared straight moments I had, I, I had gotten, I was in court for a, a speeding ticket. Um, yeah. Um, I've never really been caught for anything I've taken, <laughs> but there was these kids my age coming in in jumpsuits and handcuffs for some stupid little petty larceny thing. And the embarrassment, their families were there. They had to go oh. talk to the judge and explain the stupidest thing that they've ever done oh. to them. And I'm just like, yeah, I never want to do this. And that I was probably at the time I was 28 years old, and I, that's when I needed to learn this. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it, it went on way too long. Uh, but like, starting to think of, you know, do you want to be the guy in in low hood? You know, you uh, know, local resident gets caught, blah blah blah. And I was yeah. like, uh, yeah, I, for, I, for dumb shit, dumb though. stuff. And, and and it's not like you we never had the resources to get that stuff if we needed to or whatever it mm. seems like it's more of a rush or something oh yeah it was always because heist w- my some of my favorite heists or taking of things was never to take it and like sometimes i would just take it and put it somewhere else where they would never have it yeah. and i just thought it was funny that i could take it and they would have no idea yeah and like i didn't really want it um i don't know it was it was a it's a very i don't know i don't know what void i was filling at the time Mm. Um, but you know, I, that's, that's one of these things I don't want to pass on, but there is something about (laughs) confidence, um, and, you know, presenting yourself in a way like, cause that was the thing. Like when you're, when you're doing like, I would be the guy, like, cause I found myself as the guy at the party helping. Yeah. And like, so I'm the guy that that person that's hosting the party probably trusts the most. They'll be like, Hey, can you go hide this somewhere? A bunch of people are about to show up. Now I know what they have and what they want to hide. And now I, I was like. You know, I don't know how to take not take. This. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Literally, don't know how to not do this. Yeah. You know, I and have to be taught that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I want my son to be the guy that's helping at the party, but not have that itch. And I don't know what it is. Yeah. I mean, it, it's such a you know, we live a privileged life, and we yeah. were given anything we've ever wanted. Yeah. I never. It's not if we wanted that Sega Genesis game, likely our parents would have yeah. bought it for us. Yeah. And it's just, it is a little disturbing when you think about it. I wouldn't say it's cringeworthy, but like it is like, what were we thinking? We weren't thinking. We probably should have just been drinking. Well, yeah. it, seems, <laughs> it seems. Yeah, we needed a thrill. <laughs> yeah. When you were drinking, though, that probably, I mean, some of the stories you've told me, Jesse, I don't even know if they're, I don't know if the statute of limitations is up or whatever, but they, like. Most, they are. <laughs> I, I think I know which one you're going to talk about, but yeah. But that, I mean, just mixing uh, kleptomania with a confidence and some drinks is probably and adulthood yeah <laughs> like you know yeah some crazy shit yeah i remember waking up in your apartment on my phone googling what is grand larceny because like oh. at what dollar threshold do i now face like a felony charge rather than a misdemeanor and um uh, Dude. i was like okay five hundred dollars all right um i think i might be in trouble yeah, yeah. so yeah uh, that was a that was a wild night we were we went to I don't even know. We, we just went to a concert. I don't like it was at um, some fucking big venue. There's like probably 2000 people in there and it was just a shit show. Like they didn't have their shit in order. Yeah. That's like as soon as you see that it starts getting me thinking, OK, this place is a mess. Yeah. How do I take advantage? Whether it's 
getting free drinks, getting free people into the door, yeah. taking stuff, or just making the event go worse. Yeah. Because that would be funny. It, like yeah. Oh, yeah. losing power would be funny here. Like how oh. do we like you know, like little things. This is how the mind works and it's just I don't know why that happened. And but. we were in such cahoots about it. And I, I think that the night we're talking about, in a way, I, I kind of take responsibility because like it was such a shit show and we were so drunk. I just walked backstage at this concert and between bands, um, there was a woman about to go up to like, you know, introduce the next <laughs> performer. And I just go up to her and I'm like, should I say my thing before you or after you? And she was like, uh, she didn't know who I was, obviously. And I, and she was like, um, before, you know, yeah, get up there now. And I just got up on stage in front of everyone. So we were already on one that night. I got up on stage and I was just like, hey, everyone's psyched. Just want to say happy birthday to our girl, Carrie. And like we're on stage and we get oh, off and we're, man, we're already have those chemicals flowing through you where you're like, we can't get caught. Yeah. You guys and, are the 1986 Mets. Yeah, we're totally. We were, we were the 86 Mets of kleptos. And on, on our way out, there's like these photo booths. Like, oh, hop in. And, like, this guy's trying to convince us. He comes up to us. He's like, oh, you guys want a photo? And we're like, yeah, but you're coming in there with us, you crazy motherfucker. And he's like, no, I can't. I'm working. And he's like, no, come on. Get in here with us. And he's like, fuck it. I'll do it. And he, he puts his iPad on top of the photo booth and gets in there with us. We're taking these glorious pictures. And we come out. And Jesse's like 15 feet ahead of us walking out. And we just follow him and on the way out he's like i took that guy's ipad <laughs> these stories like that actually make me upset because i think like dude that guy had to answer for this shit yeah. like he <laughs> was in so much shit after that like i just i feel so i, I don't even like that story i don't even think about well, that story because well, it obsesses so well, much yeah because that's the line yes the, there is a few times one time in particular where i took from an individual yeah and that felt wrong yeah. and i learned that lesson that time, it was, like, from an individual, but kind of from a company, but, like, yeah. also, like, wrong. He was getting fired. <laughs> um, you know, back in the day with Walmart and all those places where you used to go to, you know, all those other big box stores, that was just pure fun oh, and just, stealing like... from Blockbuster? Oh, Blockbuster, yeah. God, a serious, like, a serious case could have probably been yeah. brought against from yeah. the, the levels we took this. I had a fake Blockbuster card that was attached to a fake credit card. Yeah just went around to every blockbuster that we could drive to and just rented things like a normal person would never return them. <laughs> but the line there, taken for blockbuster, but some of the times just pretending to be someone you don't like and then renting things in their name was also quite hilarious. Cause oh. like, I was like, yeah, that kid was a little bit of a bully in, in high school. So and we got I'm him back. Yeah. And then he's like sitting there having to figure out like, how am I going to pay $80 for this? How come I can't movie? get a mortgage? My credit score is <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I want to get into. Um, I want to get into hearing a little bit about. You know what was crazy about that iPad night? We went. We we got away with it. We get out into the streets and we're like, holy shit! And we go to some other place and we have a few more beers and we're walking back by the venue on our, on our way back home, and like there's a, kind of a VIP party going on, and we went back in there. Yeah, we went back in. Yeah, with that the, iPad in your cargo pocket. <laughs> we're like, yeah, like they're not gonna question the people that are here still. Like, you know, that thing's gone. Yeah. Like. Whoever took it is likely gone. They're not looking, and they're not going to be frisking people two hours. They're later. definitely not coming back into this party. Whoever, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The time when the when I the moment I realized you had a problem is you oh, were <laughs> <laughs> you were telling us how you had gone to. We'll change some details, but like you were basically were at this place where there was an event hall. Maybe you were maybe at a wedding. At or a something. wedding, oh, definitely it was a wedding. I think I know what you're going to tell me. Yeah, you should tell this story because I think it's hilarious. I think this is one of those moments you realize, like, you yeah, know, like what am I doing? <laughs> like, yeah, I was at a, a friend's wedding in a random town in Pennsylvania, and uh, I had a great time at the wedding. 
It was it was just wild. Um, this was like in the height of my drinking days, probably. Yeah. And late at night, I don't. I found my way back to the venue, and nobody was there. I think I might have been looking for a drink. I'm not sure, but I was mm. by myself. But everything was there from the hotel that had been m- making the event, like microphones, speakers like other electronic equipment, projectors, DJ shit, lights. DJ. And I just like took it all and like <laughs> everything I can take. And like, first I would take something easy. Then I would like bring it up to the room and then I'd come back down. Like nobody's there yet. So I'll take another thing, take another load, take another load. And then like, I'm sitting there. I was like, what the fuck am I going to do with all this stuff? Like I don't have any <laughs> need for a microphone and like a mixer or all this stuff. And I think I had ended up leaving it in the stairwell of the hotel when I checked out the next day. Yeah, you told us you made like a hobo sack <laughs> out, of a, out of a tablecloth and you just put oh, yeah, everything yeah. in and tied it together and left. Just it. throwing everything in a, yeah on a tablecloth and I yeah threw it over the back. Holy oh shit, god, yeah. Man. And I was just like, what am I doing? But like, I was just so lonely and like bored, bored. I don't know what like, and uh, yeah, like I could have just went to sleep and been a normal person, but like then I had to go do this and like kind of wake up and like what the what the hell's wrong with me I, th- I think just like really none of us anyone we knew had found themselves or had any sense of who they were so we were just kind of just doing whatever the most fun thing was you know uh i, I don't know i don't remember like us like dreaming a lot about what our futures were going to be or what kind of jobs we were going to be or like even considering any of that we were just like working at the deli and having fun and um just getting drunk and uh, I don't know, like just honestly having the most fun fucking, like I I can't imagine somebody having a more fun time than we did in our twenties. Yeah. It was insane. I guess it's the pros and cons of not having a dream to look forward to or like a goal. I feel like you had a little bit more of that, like an idea of what you wanted to do and a passion. Yeah. I didn't have any of that. And I didn't really catch that for like another 10 years after, after high school. Um, and so, yeah, you, you do a lot of crazy things. Um, but then like, and you live a great life, but then like, where are you 10 years later? Like, yeah, maybe you're not as far into a goal as you want it to be, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I, I wouldn't trade any of that in, um, at all. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is cringeworthy, but it is like life lessons and, yeah. and a, a path that I, I, I happily went down. I guess. Do you remember how you started drinking? Yeah. Was I there? Um, you should have been, um, it was the last weekend before break from college. I don't know if it was my first year or my second year. And I was just, I was turning 21 later that year. Yeah. Or maybe I just, whatever. Turned 21 later that year. And I was invited to this frat party and there was this girl there that I really liked. And I was like, I need to talk to her. You know, Mm. this is, I'm going to leave college. We're going to be apart from the summer. I'm going to profess my love and like how do i do this i need to get a little bit of courage dutch courage as they say yeah <laughs> Liqu- liquid courage and so you know i think it was a hawaiian themed party i have pictures from that night and i decided to first i started by fake drinking so like there Ooh. was like cocktails and so i was just pouring fake cocktails and pretending i was drinking but then i think by the end of the night i was the guy at the party there was like there's always that um tub of a mix of cocktails some sort of juice and I'm just drinking it at the end of the party, <laughs> and uh, like gulp, 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 and everybody's like chanting. Oh and shit! Your first time drinking. Classic. It, but yet, I still 
I ne- uh, did I end up talking? I might have talked to the girl later that night, but I ended up making <laughs> escorting two other girls home safely from this frat party because <laughs> I saw them. I was like, oh, they're my friends. So I was like, I got to make sure they get home safely. So like, I walk them home and then I mm. go back. And I think I did tell the girl I I liked her, and she's like, what am I supposed to do with that information? I was like, okay, I guess this was a mistake. So <sighs> damn. Uh, gnarly and then I came home that summer and we were all just playing like Tetris in my bedroom this is in college like there's like six or seven kids in my room yeah tiny room and uh, and uh, then I just said hey I was like I did drink for the first time and everybody's like what the hell why are we like you got a drink and like everybody started pulling out beers yeah because I think you had started drinking earlier that probably year. around the same time and and the thing is it's because it, all of our friends really reacted to both of us starting to drink because we were against it we would make fun of them yeah like we would make fun of them constantly I remember our friends drinking and I'd make fun of them smoking pot and I would look down on them mushrooms forget about it the optics of what I thought mushrooms were compared mm-hmm. to what they are oh yeah I'm like, I'm never fucking doing that. What do you, you guys are insane. I remember some party in like Shrub Oak. Um, I don't want to name names, but there's two guys there that came there with like a bag of mushrooms. Yeah. And they're like scooping in handfuls, like shoving them in their mouth. And they're just vomiting. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, what that's something I don't really want to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like, by the time you and I got around to it, uh, you know, it was a big deal because all our other friends have been drinking since they were like fucking 15 years old. And my first time was a, Halloween. I just drank 140 up in the cemetery and was fucking hammered. 40s were oh, a big. I, yeah, part I of think it. I was there for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was wild. Uh, you know, I pretty much didn't look back, and I don't think you did either. We both got a lot more hardcore about it. Well, if you're gonna drink, you got to be the best at it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so you know, we we came up with all these, you know, yeah. 40s malt liquor trying everything and like weren't you a four loco man too that was well, that, later that was a little bit later at <laughs> first we were 40s it, it, and i don't know why but probably they're they're cheap and they're, there's just something very regal about like sitting there with your beer you're 40 and you finish one of those and you're like you finish two of those you're fucking nice yeah finish three of those which that, that was more jesse's move i don't think i could <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like fucking blacked out after that but we did edward 40 hands for my 21st birthday party yeah hosted by my parents yeah there we were doing Edward Forty Hands, and I was like, "This is fascinating." That my parents, my brothers, my my, my oldest brother was here. His friends were here. Yeah, you know, they're thirty-one yeah. at the time, and I was like, "I think it's really funny that they're coming over to drink with us and with with forties taped to our hands." Yeah, what a fucking night! Oh my god, your your parents in particular must have been very excited when you started a party. Yeah, they had asked me to drink. Like on vacations, you're like, oh, take a shot of this, ha ha ha, and like, yeah, or yeah. offering me beers, and like, I th- again, it was like I was angry at them, and so probably drinking, yeah, was one of those triggers for me. Is like I don't want to be because like my parents when they drank, they were really loud, you know, sometimes very like they would talk over each other. It was very, like, and then I would up like, all night. It was yeah. insane. It's and I was just like, I don't want to be like that. Yeah, um, yeah. I became exactly like that. Same thing uh, with my dad. I'm like drugs. <laughs> forget about it look at you I, I was so angry with him that i'd never tried anything and then you know now i love drugs not his he likes he likes shit that fucks you up i like st- stuff that seems to make you smarter and more spiritual but yeah uh yeah us us starting to drink was uh was hilarious and then man i'll never forget one night i'm at uh you're up at school in oneonta i'm at a, i'm at bowling league you know, because we're dorks and we were in, always in bowling leagues and on bowling teams and dart teams and stuff. And I was at bowling and uh, someone called me up and they were like, Jesse's in the hospital. And I was like, what? 
and it was a crazy snowstorm and I had my Mustang and I just ran out to the parking lot and I was like, I'm driving up to Oneonta and I couldn't get out of the parking lot. <laughs> my wheels just were spinning. I had to leave my car there. So uh, it was a tense night and you were supposed to come home the next night and work with me at Lou's, the overnight mm-hmm. shift. Yeah. Like it must have been another last day of the semester type of situation. Yeah. You want to tell this story? Those, those are always the rough ones <laughs> when you're just about to get out of there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you want to celebrate a little bit more than you can handle. Yeah. No, it's just, um, you know. God, this is hilarious. Pin- pinnacle of drinking, you know. That's when I started messing around with Jägermeister and, you know, mixing, you know, malt liquor and, and liquor and, you know, doing malt liquor at the end of the night Oof. led to me, basically it was, you know, Blizzard and Oneonta taking finals and I had passed or I'd taken the hardest final that I've ever taken and ever would take in college and I was confident that I had passed and that meant that I was going to graduate on time and it was a huge relief and yeah. this, this exam was at 8 in the morning so I think we get out at like 10 and me and all the kids in the class were like we need to go celebrate that was a hard class let's go down to the the Oast the old Spanish tavern this is in Oneonta in Oneonta yeah and I, I believe it's still there I saw it when I drove by and uh, we just start having a few beers Starts off simply as that. A few people start leaving after that. You know, drinking beers at 11 o'clock in a college town is not that abnormal. And uh, kept on drinking and then, you know, had not eaten at all. That was the other thing that went into Ooh. it. And then one guy says, hey, I'm having a party later. You should stop on by. And I was like, absolutely. So, you know, a couple hours go by, walk over to the party. I still had another final the next morning, which was the, the, the highlight of the story. Oh, yeah. And he, at the party, he's like, you know, we can't stay up that late. We got this map and field geology exam tomorrow. I was like, dude, that's going to be the easiest exam we have in our like, college careers. He's like, I don't know. He's like, we have to do all this, you know, you have to, you have to show up with protractors and all these different <laughs> colored pencils and rulers and like really like make a map like you're, you're, you're looking at, you know, cartography maps or whatever. And I was like, hey, how about this? We party tonight. Get up early tomorrow. I'll help you study. Totally easy. And we're playing beer pong, having a great time. And the last thing I remember was um, saying, suggesting we were out of beer and he had Jägermeister in the fridge or in the freezer. And I said, why don't we play Jäger Pong? Oh, I, see, I don't even know if I know this part of that. And so we fill up all the cups. That's the last I remember. I, uh, who knows who won or lost that, that <laughs> pouring, game? Pouring I think, I think we all lost that game. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I lived right around the block from this kid. And so I left. And apparently, this is like the, the, all the details of the story from here on out were told to me. Um, <laughs> the kid saw me leave in the blizzard and saw me take a wrong turn leaving his pathway so i made like a right and a right where i should have made like a left and a left and i ended up on a street i didn't know and apparently that's where the cops found me kind of or a couple no no a guy a guy drove by and called the police saying that they found they saw a dead body (laughs) in a a, in a a snow embankment and the cops show up Apparently, I was passed out in a snowbank uh, near where um, snowblows go by. Also, knowing Jesse, no hat, no gloves, probably not even a jacket. Probably, probably like you're dressed right now. Probably. <laughs> and uh, that's when the cops found me, and, and they, you know, wake me up, and they start asking me some questions, and they said, hey, where do you live, blah, blah, blah. And they were trying to get me home. They were you know, treating me well, and apparently... I was not talking to them, and I start trying to somewhat attack them. The, the ticket officially says flailing my arms at an officer. Still got that ticket <laughs> in my, my books here. Oh, that's great. Um, and I 
apparently pushed them off, ran. And I ran behind a house, and everybody assumed that's where I live, or the one cop did. But the other cop said, I'm going to go check on him to make sure he got home all right. So the guy follows my tracks behind this house. Apparently, he saw me face down in, like, fresh powdery snow. And he pulled me up, and I was, like, like, <gasps> like not being able to breathe face down in, like, this heavy snow. Oh, God. And uh, so that's when he decided to take me in, uh, thankfully, because um, I was just not talking. They threw me in a, a jail cell, apparently, and vomit ensued. And you they, probably had hypothermia. Like, Well, yeah. They probably should have taken you right to the hospital. Well, it's a college town, so cops don't have a lot of sympathy for overdrinkers. Uh, and the, the hospitals really don't want just, like, drunk kids coming yeah. in there, right? So somehow he got my phone number out of me during all this and called my parents. And I guess that's how everybody knew. And like, you're telling, you're at bowling. This is like early in the day. Yeah. Like, this is like not two in the morning. Yeah. You know, I had been drinking for 12 hours straight, but it was still like nine, 10 at night. Uh, yeah. That's when I got word at like nine thirty. Yeah. And so I was already in the jail cell and they, my mom begged them to bring me to the hospital and they finally did. And, uh, really your mom had to beg them. Yeah. Based on what they were saying, like, uh, like I was, I was sitting there vomiting with chills, like oh, with sopping wet clothes. Yeah. And the cops finally like, oh yeah, like this kid might be having a problem. Yeah. So they brought me there. You know, I wake up the next morning, not, not knowing where the hell I am. So you just woke up in the hospital. I woke up in the hospital. Nobody around me, and all this stuff is in me. And I start just pulling it out, kind of <laughs> freaking out. Like I got to get out of here. <laughs> At the time, I wore glasses, no glasses, so like I'm, everything's blurry. I'm just like, what is happening? And nurses come in like, you need to stay here for the doctor. I'll pause there and go back. So apparently during that time, everybody was notified in the family. Everybody knows about this. My brother Jamie made it from Albany to Oneonta, an hour-long drive in, in this blizzard, blizzard yeah. to come visit me in the hospital. Stayed with me that night. And then had to go to work in the morning and left while I was still unconscious. So you never knew he was even there. I never knew he was there until like <laughs> days later. Um, and uh, so I wake up. I, I was like, I got to get out of here. And I'm you know, nude in one of these little um, little gowns. gowns. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I guess where are my clothes? I go to the thing. And there's just a bag of soaking wet clothes with vomit in it. I was like, all right. Put that down. And uh, oh I was like, all right. I have a final exam like in a half hour. I got to get out of here. Oh, my God. And um, I called my apartment, and this roommate that I was having an argument with at the time, she answers, and I was like, hey, is uh, Paul there? She's <laughs> like, no. I was like, is Tom there? She's like, no. She's like, Jesse, I know like you're in the hospital. Like We've been worried about you. What do you need? And I was like, I need clothing and yeah, a ride. I guess I could break this argument. <laughs> yeah, I guess I can break this argument. I hold grudges, Sean knows. Oh, but, um, we're both really good. And uh, so I, I uh, she brought over a fresh pair of clothes and dropped me at the school. And like I said before, it was map and field geology. And so I needed like all these supplies. I had nothing. <laughs> so I show up there, probably pale as a ghost with, you know, things on there, no glasses. And the teacher's like, I come in late. And he's like, whoa, what happened? I was like, I was, and I'm in the hospital. He's like, you don't need to take this exam today. I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm fine. And he's like, no, just like, what happened? I was like, I don't know. I, I think I just drank too much last night. And I ended up in the hospital. <laughs> like, I had no idea what, and I had no idea what happened. Yeah. Because yeah. I'd still not pieced anything together. And um, at that point, he turned against me, obviously admitting that I, I was like, you know, I took my really hard exam yesterday. This one was going to be easy. So I was drinking <laughs> a lot last night. He was furious. He's like, well, well, well. Well, well. <laughs> and so he was pissed. He made me sit down, get this exam, and I couldn't do a thing with it. 
because I didn't have anything. Oh, man. And I waited. The kid that was we were drinking with last the night before, um, he was in the exam laughing when I got in there. <laughs> he was a little worried, he said, um, that I didn't show up initially. Um, <laughs> oh. And uh, he, after he, someone finished the exam, they gave me all of their stuff, um, and I took the exam and aced it. Um, it was a very easy exam without glasses, <laughs> just <laughs> sitting there twiddling my thumbs for like an hour waiting for someone to finish. And uh, yeah, drove straight home. Worked the overnight. Worked the me. overnight shift with Sean and still just trying to piece together what had happened that night. That, that was a, a really kind of fun night at work because it, was, it wasn't busy. Yeah. yeah I mean, it was the middle of the winter. It was like we were working like what, 12 like, to 4 or something yeah, like that. Probably, probably like a Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday night or something yeah. like that. And uh, like you showed up and I was like, Jesse, it was crazy because like really I, everyone was just so scared. Like it was just a scary moment. And I was like, damn. I was like, are you done drinking? And you were like, no, probably not. And I was like, all right, cool. Just not Jaeger from the bottle. Yeah, just not Jaeger from the bottle. Actually, everyone's you didn't drink Jaeger for years after that, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. But I, I remember you I remember you drinking it again. Yeah. But we I mean we were probably partying like two days later. Yeah, it was it was a pretty wild night. I ended up calling the police officer to thank him. Um, you know, I got a disorderly conduct ticket and had to do community service and it was it was really funny because in Oneonta there's like an old good old boys club in the courthouse and my punishment was forty hours community service at the Elks Lodge doing their dishes and all these guys are at the Elks and then they just had me, they were serving me shots as a joke, like doing dishes at the Elks Lodge. Oh, I was like, man. it's quite the punishment. Yeah. Um, no, this society really supports, uh, you know, out of control alcoholic stuff. Yeah. Anything else, you're, you'd be behind bars. Like, you know, oh, yeah. if you were acting like that and you were on Coke or, or crack or something like that. Yeah. Fucking let let alone the color of my skin if I uh, oh, attacked a police officer. I, I know. Well, that guy saved your fucking life, man. Oh, yeah fucking shit man that was a that was a crazy one but we i mean we, we kept it going I, I i remember it was probably that winter break we went over to our friend's house like there was probably there's two people that i know of that were fucking kleptos beyond us and they worked at the liquor store and literally stole everything oh yeah yeah, yeah. they okay. would steal the fucking lottery tickets like we we scanned the lottery we did our thing but lo- yeah. very low level compared to these guys would take the the whole t- the, the sealed packets as they came yeah. in, scan them, activate them, and just take them home and find the winners and drive around collecting. And we went over to their house and they um, they had every liquor that you could possibly have. And I was like, I just started to proceed to take one shot of each one. And that that was my night of like, how did I get home? I just woke up in my bed with a line of vomit, and I was just like, what the fuck happened? Now, the last thing I remember is like sitting on these guys. That, Yo, alcohol is so fucking scary in that way. There's no other drug that's ever done anything like that to me. Very, very scary stuff. And I do want to put in a disclaimer for my son, if he ever listens to this when he's like <laughs> 20 years from now. Yeah, yeah. Um, how I, that story of how we both found alcohol later in life, you'd think it would make us a little bit smarter. No. And in some ways it did, but like really didn't. Because I always laughed at the kids freshman year of college that were blackout drunk, you know, right away. They were so oppressed by their parents in Long Island and never were allowed to go out. Like we had so much freedom. Um, but alcohol, everyone can fall victim. It's very deceptive um, of how how it works and like what it does to you. Um, it's very easy to go way overboard. It's it's tricky one, man. It, barely anyone knows how to do it right when you think about it. If you really think about it, no, know? yeah, it, it's a hard thing to manage uh, throughout throughout your life. So, in a way, like 
for me very much i'm glad i got it all out of my system like i i haven't drank in fucking 10 years like i'm I'm glad i like got that out of my system because you seem to not struggle with hangovers or maybe you just got used to them or maybe you were good at like just faking it or whatever but i they would i would be fucked up for like four days after a night like that yeah i i couldn't i couldn't do it and when uh, when i met Cass, we would use drinks as the excuse to fall in love with each other but then you know once we were fully in love we're like just started smoking pot and the, the drinking went out but yeah we've seen it fuck so many people's lives up and you know that's the gateway drug do you know what i i should equate it to because i was trying to think of there's like a fine line of where theoretically alcohol you hit your perfect mark oh yeah but the problem with the latency of it hitting you usually by the time you think you hit that mark you have a party waiting to hit you in oh, the yeah. face, and yeah. then you go way overboard. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about, because of our video game childhood of Mario Golf, that little like thing back and yep. forth, right? <laughs> and you have to hit it right in the middle. Right in the middle. And it's like, when you do, absolutely perfect, but really... Some of the best o- nights ever. Some of the best nights ever, like where you don't black out, and you you feel loose and confident, and all that ego You're stuff. funny, everything yeah, is like, good. Yeah. Man, um, Jesse, also, when I first met you, I was worried about you because we would go out to the bar and you would just be like, you'd be like falling asleep at oh the bar, God, standing yeah, up, yeah. like wasted. Like, Well, that's when I started mixing hard work with alcohol. <laughs> um, and I don't know how my dad did it because he worked way harder than I ever did. And I would go to no work. Adderall or anything back then either. Like, <laughs> I would just work all week, drive straight down to Brooklyn and mm-hmm. uh, start drinking. And I just has, was so sleep deprived. That by like eleven o'clock midnight or I don't know one or two or whatever, like I would just be sleeping standing up. Yeah, like I was just so exhausted, but like wanting to get to that point of where I thought it was like perfect, mm. and like you know they talk about alcohol and like like being myopic, and I think that's like where you really like focus on something. Yeah, and like sometimes like a great conversation, you know, a great time, but like you kind of forget about everything else. Like in thinking that you're funny, like. Yeah. Sometimes you find out later on that you were not funny at all. And you, <laughs> you were offensive. Kind of offensive <laughs> yeah. and, and out of control. But I don't know. Yeah, those those were sad days. And, you know, I'm still a little bit on the sauce. So mm-hmm. can't say it's behind me. But um, those types of nights, like, were, you know, out too late and not remembering Just how I got home. Just we'd be asleep at the bar at 11 and we'd still go to four more bars. Yeah. You yeah. know, Weekend at Bernie style. I, re- I remember once in Chicago... I've never seen anything like it. We walked from a venue, a punk show that we saw, and we wanted to go to this hot dog place, and Jesse was asleep walking. <laughs> I do remember I've that. I've never seen anything like it. Fully eyes closed, just staying on the sidewalk, but like asleep, like, and walking. It was it was crazy. We and and you know we we got uh, it, it, where it started to get fucking dangerous is like well, for you right out of college, you got a job, so like you have a little bit of money. That's where it starts getting crazy. You have your you have your money and your freedom, and we got Rangers season tickets, and just Jesse and I got these season tickets, and we bought a third seat for just like bringing motherfuckers, and so it's like fucking every week, twice a week, Jesse's down in the city, and we have an excuse to be fucking drinking and going crazy, and every weekend, I you know that's when that's when I saw my friends the most in my life. I feel like is when I moved to Brooklyn. Every weekend, everyone would come down. We'd stay out all night doing karaoke. Such fun times, and like we we made great friends, and like just had just like the best time. But it's hard to remember because uh, because we were overindulging a lot of the time, and 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 then it's also hard to remember because there's nights where you're like, I can't remember that. 
because it's so cringe. It's so I I can't I you know what I mean. It's so funny. We I remember one night we were like after after the next day I was like this didn't happen. And, and I'm I'm looking at Jesse and I'm like Jesse's the only one not agreeing to this. We're gonna hear about this again someday. <laughs> I don't even know. If, I'm 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 hoping you don't remember what I'm talking about. It's a wild night at uh that ended at my apartment with uh, some people we didn't know. And, oh. I think I remember that. And, yeah, and I, I was like, "Yo, we this just can't Th- this night. This <laughs> one officially, and we never pulled." Did we that meet card. these people on the way back to your apartment? Literally, okay, like, yeah, yeah. We like two blocks away. We were like, "Hey, come back with us!" And they, we, we, yeah. it was just one of those nights where um, I remember my neighbors coming and pounding on the door. Like my neighbors had never com- still. I've lived in the city eighteen years. No one's ever confronted me besides that night. They're pounding on the door saying, "What the fuck." You guys are blasting Queen. It's five in the morning. And uh, I remember being so scared. I told Colby, I was like, go answer the door and tell them you're just airbnb this place. <laughs> and he answers the door. He's like, what? I'm trying to Airbnb this place. <laughs> Who are you? But yeah, the next morning I was like, yo, this one. Thank you. You know, and everyone agreed. And I look over at Jesse. And I kind of love that about Jesse. He's like, we'll, we'll see. Because we'll I do have some photos from that night. That's what I'm thinking. And uh <laughs> I, they're so blurry. I think I looked at them not too long ago. I was like, you have no, like the story is there, but like, who cares? Like, oh yeah. No, I know. Well, at the time it seemed like very. Well, it seems like the story is not there because it didn't happen. Yeah. You've heard, yeah. you, you know, I've told you, but you know, like the fucking countless nights like that SantaCon. Remember how fucking shitty we would get at SantaCon? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. The, the last one before we called it quits at SantaCon, I, I remember we lost you and you just came into my apartment at like five in the morning bare one one shoe off completely barefoot one santa boot on and like you just like passed out on the couch and i i like had no explanation for what was going on and the next morning i was like jesse why why did you where's your other thing and you were like i got off the subway and there was wet cement and i thought it would be so fucking hilarious to have like a bare footprint in there so I took off my boot and put it in there, and I don't even think you ever recovered the Santa boot or whatever. And it was, it was just fucking, uh, just out of control. Like one one of the heists that we pulled off that actually really helped us was uh, we stole a video camera. That that like helped me become a filmmaker. Yeah, and it's all uh, because of me. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, uh, look, that that's one of those ones that like I feel bad about, but I don't because we're at this out of control party that this girl threw and she didn't know anyone there. Every, everything just like we went there because it was out of control. And I was like, there's a million cars that we go there. And uh, she just had three brand new digital video cameras, some rich girl and her parents were out of town. And I see these like, you know, wannabe thug dudes in the kitchen, like eyeing them up and stuff. And I go and grab Jesse. And I'm like, look at this situation. These cameras aren't lasting through the night. Like, so look at the yeah, situation. Yeah. And Jesse just, well, do you know what we did, what I did and how I sleep at night? is we took one of the three. Yeah. And I hid the other ones so, so that other guys couldn't take them. Yeah, that was great. And so... It was basically the cost of doing business with you. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, yeah, that's my cut. Um, no, yeah. I remember that one scared me because, like, the next day, um, one of our friends was like, holy shit, this, there was this party and, like, this, uh, like, something got stolen. And, you know, it's just, like, that feeling of, like, whoa, oh, my God. But, the, you know... It, my karma of that is I I then filmed four years of including Edward Forty Hands, everything we were doing at the deli, all the weird parties we went to, uh, four years of like something that could have been a documentary about our fucking wild upbringing. Uh, that camera got stolen from my apartment and all those tapes. Yep. 
So it's you know it all works out. It it always does, and like you know, I can that, that could be one of the lessons people could take away from like us telling these wild stories. Is like everything balanced out. It all balanced out. Well, does Jesse know? feel that way? Maybe you feel that way. For every fucking crazy memorable night, there's one where you almost die, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I was the host as, of as many parties as I've been to, probably. Yeah. yeah. And the amount of things that got smashed, stolen, um, you know, the kids, the, the similar thugs, you know, using razor blades just to cut our lights on our, on our bridge. Yeah. And, like, Christmas lights. And I was like, you know, like... That's annoying. Um, but, you know, probably, you know, it all came back both ways. You know, maybe I'm ahead. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, lots of lots of bad things happened. Uh, you know, you guys ha- say that you um, like will hold a grudge. Like, what did people do to you that like? Was- That's the harder thing to remember than you have the grudge. You know what? I mean? Isn't that a weird thing? Well, like, I remember really, who the grudges are against, but I'm like, what could they have done? <laughs> most of it didn't matter. Most, most. Yeah, none of them mattered, actually. Small town shit. It was more fun to prove that I didn't need this person in my life. Yeah. Um, and it was very mean. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. There was a few times um, where, like, it was very, very mean to do to some people, mm. um, notably early in, like, high school and early parts of college. And just cutting people out surgically out of your life. Yeah. And, you know, all of our friends going along with it and saying, hey, we're not going to go talk to that person. Yeah. And, like, that is very mean to do to somebody. Yeah, yeah. But, like, they crossed me, and, like, it was just some way for me to lash out at some love I didn't receive or something like that. Right. And I blew it out of proportion most of the time. And it was just, like, a, a way to flex these powers that I had of just m- time with me was valuable, and now you're not getting it. I, and I think what made it worse is, like, I grew up, in a similar kind of like lack of love fucked up household and we were encouraging this behavior in each other and backing each other up if someone did something to me you would go in on them if someone did something to you i would go in on them and and like we were influential in our group of friends so everyone would yeah definitely um but you know fucking with people that that work at the deli and make your food is such a strange thing <laughs> not to get into details about that but like what Just a strange if, thing if to you do. if you feel uh tempted to fuck with someone who makes your sandwiches don't yeah <laughs> god yeah. be complimentary and, and and the funny thing is like no one that i can think of ever did anything on the level of the type of shit we would we would go to someone's party and do a stink bomb yeah you know like oh it, which is hilarious when i started rolling around with you guys like we would you guys would yeah, Jesse would put stink bombs all over the place. <laughs> it, it would be talking about, like, how do we turn up the heat? Or I'm like, what are we doing here? Oh, but that, how funny is it that? It is pretty funny. The, you know, one of the funniest, to me still, one of the funniest things we ever did was, you know, the night before Thanksgiving is this every small town is like, the, the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving is like, especially in those first few years after college, it's like it's when everyone gets together at some bar. You're seeing people you haven't seen in a while, whatever. You know, and there was this one bar, the stadium, and you could really pack it in there. And on the night before Thanksgiving, they would charge a cover because so many people would show up there. And we were smart. We were like, we're going to bring 48 beers and leave them in the car and just go out to the car and drink them and go in here or whatever. But we figured out where the fucking thermostat for the place was. And God, there was probably fucking three, four hundred people in there pump the heat up all the way and just watch everyone slowly but surely just like roast and no one leaves you know no one 
I, I, and I it's kind funny of, to I, you guys, even if you're sweating with them, because you, you, you're oh, responsible Well, we know why. Yeah. But you watch people <laughs> slowly getting uncomfortable, not realizing it. And then maybe, like, they get, like, do you think it's warm in here? Like, and then that that feeds, you know, what we're trying to do. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. just. People are talking about something we did. Yeah. And they have no idea. Yeah. And, like, they, they are figuring out a way to cope with it, even though it's ridiculous. Everyone's like, wearing sweaters. They're all like. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's Thanksgiving. Yeah. Everybody's wearing sweaters. Oh, my gosh. Well, and then to, to add insult to injury. We, you, you know, you, you don't even have to do the stink bomb. You just drop one in there. Someone's going to step on it. Yeah. And, and I love that because then you just go on with your night and then all of a sudden you smell something and you're like, oh, oh yeah, we did that a while ago. <laughs> yeah. And people stayed through it. And I remember that night, the, the funniest, the funniest nut part of that night was like we were friends with the owner of that bar because we played in the dart league with him and I'm talking to him and he's, the smell is permeating. It's sweating hot in there. And he's like, I think a gas line broke or something <laughs> <laughs> under the bar. Like, I, it's, something's going. Like, you couldn't figure out for the life of him what the fuck was going on. We would do that at people's houses. We did that to each other in hotels a million times. But think about... So, I, I think some of these creative pranks that we used to do, I learned a lot about engineering and science. Yeah. Like, in the bar, I realized, like, one stink bomb, you know, gets this area and it stays pretty stagnant or whatever. But yeah. it might be, like, so overpowering that, like, maybe they'll move. But maybe you do a couple of them, and then I found out that wind tunnel effect in the bar. Uh, if the yeah. front door was open and you open this back door by the bathrooms, the the smell would just whip around yeah. the entire bar. <laughs> and it was hilarious to watch a good plan go oh, into effect. Yeah. Well, you know, you know it was a really memorable one, uh, Bushwick Country Club. I hope you remember this because we were pretty fucked up. We were at Bushwick Country Club, and it's like a sweaty summer night. It's probably like 12.30 in the morning. There's a million people in there, and Jesse comes out to me, and he's like, I found the power box for this place, and I swung <laughs> the door open. You got to come in here and, like, fake push me towards it. I'm pretty sure I could cut the power to this place right now. <laughs> And I was like, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. We're definitely doing that. I go in there. I, I like fake push Jesse. He flies in. Like no one's paying attention to us. He flies yeah. into this thing, puts his uh, his whole forearm against the power. <laughs> power shuts down. We drop a couple stink bombs. And it was just glorious to be standing out front of this bar with every single person that was in there. <laughs> I think no we one. were at another party with stink bombs. And we led them to believe that their stove was leaking. And they evacuated the whole party. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. We loved that. Uh, I mean, that's especially. It w- I, I, It might have even been the same. No, it was a different party. We put one in the um, in the hinge of the bathroom door. So we're yeah. like, the next person that goes in the bathroom door is going to no. come out. And everyone's going to think that they took the gnarliest shit ever. And it worked. The, the guy that we did, it, the guy that ended up doing it was, it was just, it was fucking perfect. But it's so funny. It's like literally at that point, at that stage, we're just trying to entertain l- it's an audience of one. I'm, I'm doing this for Jesse, and he's doing this for me because our friends didn't even. No, they had no idea. What was going they on. didn't know what was going on, and if they did, they would have stopped us or tried to. Or it, they, it wouldn't have been funny to them, but it was fucking hilarious to and, us. And the times we were apart, it was for an audience of none. Oh, like I'd just be doing this at college <laughs> for fun, and I couldn't tell these new friends of mine that I make every year the the really messed up things I was doing because I was like I don't know if they know that I do this kind of stuff but I just sat back and just laughed but oh, I don't man. know well I think the time I really realized you guys were a dynamic duo that shouldn't be fucked with is um we were at a bar and we were playing darts and you guys both went up and put your hand like this in front of the bullseye one at a time and Sean you had your hand like this, and Sean hit a bullseye, and then Sean put his hand up like that, and then you hit a bullseye, and I was like, these two fuckers, they really 
they got something. You know what I There's mean? There's a little razzle dazzle. There's a little razzle dazzle. Lawrence <laughs> claims. Bullseye! <laughs> that's like um that's like a, a mixture of confidence, skill, and then like building a story and then proving it somehow. So like I I, I, yeah. I was I was almost thinking of um Catch Me If You Can, one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And in that movie, I don't know what the real truth is, but at one scene where he passes the bar and the, the, the movie is mostly talking about like how did you do it? And he's like I fucking sat down. I studied. And I fucking passed the bar. He didn't. He didn't fake that one. Yeah, like all the other stories we did was mostly, you know, smoke. You know, lies. Whatever. Stinking like everyone. Mirrors. Every once in a while, you have to do something yeah. that's just actually impressive, yeah. and then everything else, the myth builds. Yeah. Around it. Oh, I mean, we got cast. I mean, that was like me the six months into knowing cast, and like we're like, okay, we got her. And you have those videos too. You know, cast still pulls up those videos. And. It's it's crazy. And Cass probably wasn't there the night that I also did that with a friend, Tom Peterson, and I hit him right in the... F- he hit a bullseye between my fingers, and I hit him right in the finger. Like, like <laughs> dunk, And it, he had to... F- he, he was one like this, and it wasn't leaving his finger. It was in the bone. Uh, so a, l- a little less razzle-dazzle. Yeah. There was know. no fit camera there, and there was no girls there, so maybe I just wasn't on my game. Maybe I missed. I don't yeah, know. Maybe you don't like Tom as much as you like Sean. You, yeah. you, we got to look out for each other. You got to look out for. I'm yeah. not, not, no, no hate on Tom, but you know what I mean. Yeah, we've always looked out for each other. I, I remember once Jesse called me from from Oneonta, and this kid had fucked with him, and I didn't <laughs> like this guy either. And Jesse calls me up, and I'm just going on with my life. I was working at, I'm just working at the deli, you know, whatever. And Jesse calls me up. He's like, "This guy's live on the radio right now. Start pranking his show. Like, start hitting him hard." And and I did. And it was it was fucking glorious. I nailed him. I like he couldn't get me off the air. It was just like one of those classic things. And uh, he somehow fucking knew it was you, or you were behind it, or something. Or you got confronted. Yeah, because it's always like I couldn't just listen to the show in the comfort of my own house. Yeah. So I was friends with the people that live below him, and so I was playing his show, having everybody laughing. At what you were doing, yeah, because yeah. I was in on it, yeah. And his buddy lived above there, and he, well, you know, the guy was at the studio, but his buddy's like, "Hey, there's a guy down there, Jesse Lubbers, and he's down there laughing it up about you know this prank caller," and you know, he started putting it together. He's like, "Wait, I know him. He must be messing with me." So he thought it was me, yeah, because I'm just there like gloating in all my glory <laughs> of like how well an executed plan came together. Of, yeah, I'm getting some guy from. Florida to dial into a college radio show <laughs> that he can't hear. Yeah. Just like, and I'm texting. Was like, okay, they're they're accepting callers now. Like, yeah, call yeah, now. Yeah. And like, you know, any college host is like dying for anybody to call. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and Sean, Sean had so much practice and prank calling. Oh my god. And uh, it just worked like way too well. Yeah. Like it seemed like we had thought about this for weeks. And like yeah. that's most of our plans. Most of our plans that got pulled off without a hitch. Everybody's like. Yeah. How long have you been planning? I was like, me and Sean never talked about we it. Just, yeah, we just did it. We just did it. And <laughs> yeah. Sean just, followed my lead, or I followed his. Yeah, you have each other's back. When someone, when one of you calls, it's like... Well, you, had, right, the, well. <laughs> you had the perfect alibi, because he confronts you, and you're like, I've been sitting here the whole time. How the fuck could I have done this? Yeah. And, and he was like, like, I got my eye on you. And This motherfucker is from our hometown, comes walking in the deli one night while we're working, Yeah. and orders a sandwich, and I don't even want to fucking repeat. Like, yeah. It, we never did that. I like I never yeah. did that any other time. But yeah, that was yeah, that was the only time I did it. Yeah, um, and I went 
far and away above whatever I've ever heard anybody doing to get yeah. to this guy. Yeah. And just knowing that he had to eat what was on that sandwich. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It's that, that's yeah. The karma's corrected. It's all good. You know. But well, would you remember what we also did to him? That was like totally a non-event that I thought was going to be funny. Didn't we put dog shit in his car handle? No, we well, we spit on his car door handle. We drove by his house. No, this it was the same guy, but for a different incident. Yeah, yeah. Because we went to a party at his brother's house that was our age. Yeah. And he was, like, standing there as a bouncer, like, not yeah. letting us in. Like, you guys aren't coming in. You guys aren't coming in. And I'm we like, thought, dude, we know you. What are you talking about? We're friends. Yeah. And he was just an older kid with no friends of himself. Yeah. And, uh... And uh, we, we we went to the neighbor's house, stole their propane tank off a grill, yeah. and then, like, drove by because I had my Jeep, I think. Yeah. And yeah. we, like, threw it from the Jeep into the yard, like, hee-hee. Yeah. It's like, all that, that was yeah. actually, like, what do we think was going to happen? Nothing then? came of it, <laughs> you know. Were we you just, hoping for an explosion or something? I don't know what we were hoping for. It was just really funny to steal someone's stuff and throw it in their yard. It was, it was always fun because Jesse had, like, the shittiest car. You can't imagine a car, like, how shitty this car was. So it, we just loved driving it anywhere. Drive through someone's yard. Fucking drive. Oh, oh, our friend just fucking spent all day sweeping up his we- his leaves. Let's just drive through. <laughs> you know, like that that kind of shit. You know, just fucking totally out of control and bored, and in uh, a town that couldn't contain our energy. And but like I will say, you know, we worked at this deli, and we took that really seriously. I think probably me you and megan took it more seriously than anyone had that had ever worked Sean there. talks about how you guys made the best sandwiches that you could trust oh, i would your... only get sandwiches from jesse or hey, megan. i put that on my resume that's how i got my job yeah making making the best sandwiches in town yeah took a lot of pride in that and there were a few other people that took it very seriously i think you know jeremy oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah you know kev mcgipsey for a time a stint yeah um, i shouldn't <laughs> mention a lot of names but um people took chris a lot rush. of pride i mean and yeah chris rush um because we were given so much authority and respect from the owner. Yeah. And most of us rewarded him handsomely. Yeah. We worked a lot of hours. I mean, he paid us pretty well. Mm. Um, and, you know, it was all about honesty yeah. and integrity. And there was a few people that didn't follow that rule and they didn't last that long. That, well, and, and they were they were considered like small people. Yeah. Because like you're going to do that to a guy like this. Oh, you're going to do that to this family. Who's barely getting by, and they're paying us all pretty good in cash, and they let us fucking do whatever we want. And, like, the people that were our friends that went in there and ripped those people off talk about a grudge. Like, oh, oh, man. Like, you're you're dead to this town if you ripped off that place. I mean, besides already having a neck tattoo, you're dead to us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Now you're 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 cut off. you're, You're out, you know? Yeah, there was a couple people that crossed. That's a sacred boundary, you know, because they were they were just so good to us. But also, just let us run fucking wild and like management skills. Like what I was in tenth grade doing, you know, inventory orders and like talking to salesmen about what products they want to push yeah. and like what space we're you know we're gonna give. It's like these are not conversations some kid in high school should be having. But like we yeah. were awarded that. And, like, the cleanliness of the cooler, we took a lot of respect of, like, or, you know, integrity mm. on that. Yeah. I don't know. That kind of, I can't wait to find a job for my kid when he grows up of, like, what are you going to do? Like, is everything now is, like, Starbucks or Walmart or something like yeah. that. I'm hoping that there's still something. There'll always be delis, you know, and I really think that's a great job for any, you learn so many things. You learn how to cook. You learn, you know. But there's not a lot of guys like Jack Toya. Yeah. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of people that are there to make money. I don't know what Jack's prerogative was. It was not making money. He was a workaholic, I think. Yeah. You know, like he, he would sleep two hours a night. He couldn't stay away from the place. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was crazy, but it was a punk rock deli and it. Like everyone there was in a band or loved bands. We'd all go to shows together. You know, we'd go down to the city. We'd throw shows like when we'd have parties. That was like the heart of it. It's just like the closest thing you could get to being a rock star around here was like working at Lou's because everyone went there for everything. So yeah, everybody just wanted to work like one shift to say they work at Lou's, yeah. have the tab, yeah, sit on the bench, yeah. And it was yeah. I remember all of our friends wanted to get a job there after we were there. Oh, like yeah, you totally. were working there when you were living in Florida. You yeah. were just coming for the summer and uh, just work at Lou's. I would and work you, six weeks and make a little bit of money. Yep. But get my foot in the door there, and then by the time I moved up here. Uh, Jack just let me manage the place and when you're in control of that schedule you're in control like it's crazy it's a crazy power to have in this town because people people will they'll work as much as you let them work there or you know as and little. then when a show comes you oh, know everybody yeah. wants off. oh yeah people start when putting, Jesse's having a party oh, everybody yeah. wants off yeah it's like we're having uh you know the second an- or the third annual pig roast but everyone that's going to the pig roast works at lose and you know the requests for the day off start coming in the days after and everything yeah it was it was really cool and, and you know, I think it made us good people, and you know, we, we're like highlighting all the fucked up shit we did because, like, honestly, I'm like 250 episodes into this podcast, and I don't think people really know this side of me. But I, I like, I want to explain. There was a distinct shift. I think the same. It's it probably happened for oh, both yeah. of us around the same time. Like, I became a better person when I met Cass, and I had love, real love in my life. You became a better person when you met Maria. It happened to coincide with your father dying, right? Yep. Yeah, yep. you were a different person. When you, when your dad got in that accident is when I started to see a major shift. And seeing the person I knew as like just like the sweetest, most caring, amazing person I ever knew, like I'm like, oh, other people are going to be able to see this now. Like, you know, it's like clown town was over. <laughs> it seemed like because you had you had to like rise Man. to the occasion. Like a crazy what if is if my father passed away when he did and I had not met Maria. What yeah, could have happened? Well, it could have gotten bad. Because I didn't know what I had with Maria when that happens, and thankfully she was there, and yeah. it accelerated our relationship and my growth. Yeah. Um, but I was, like, kind of in the position. Oh, wait, what's that guy? That uh, guy you saw in the parking lot one day is, like, first you find the woman, and oh, then, yeah. then he, like, she'll move your head, and then you'll find, like, the success. Or yeah, the we thought that guy was full of shit. And I was like, yeah, like, I needed to have Maria in my life set me on the right trajectory, and yeah. then... When my father passed away, like, I was on a good path already. If I was not on that path, who knows what would have happened to me yeah. or my brother Jamie. He has, like, a very similar story. Oh, yeah. Because oh he, he met his significant other at the same time. Oh, man. Hmm. Uh, I should do a podcast with Jamie one day. Definitely. I, I would want to be, be able, able to do this? 100%. Yeah, we, we could do it together. We could, we'll just pull stuff out of him. Well... We'll see if he if he wants me there, but you know he he would. He I would, might be I, able he, to get more. Well, I don't know. He just started a YouTube channel. You might have to go I on his know. channel. Yeah, I might have to go on there. <laughs> Man, I just I, but, but Jamie. Jamie's a whole fuck. It. Like we think we were wild. Like forget about it. Yeah, I think the the that turning point, which when I was um, twenty eight, um, was like a whole different shift. So like you know the awakening in in, in high school of being just kind of a, more aware, um, but then realizing you know, around your late 20s that with intention, you can really do whatever you want. You don't have to be a product of what's around you. You can, you know, really, you you can do whatever you want. Mm. And that's a crazy amount of power that you all of a sudden realize you've always had. Yeah. It's like, I can, 
eat whatever I want. I can, you know, go study whatever I want. I can read and be educated in these things and live life more intentionally. Yeah. Um, And I think that's what Maria and I started doing together. Mm. Like, thank God she was ready to take these steps with me. Yeah. uh, You know, growing up and becoming a real adult, I guess, in some ways. Well, and that's how you know it's, it's real and it's true love and everything because like, I mean, look at me. I've had a, I've had a girlfriend of my, like since I'm 16 and none of it, like, I guess it kept me a little bit focused, but for the most part, like when you're in abusive, um, relationships with alcohol or whatever, like I I don't, I wasn't in abusive relationships with women, but I was using them like any other drug, you know what I mean? So it wasn't, it it wasn't that like deep, like I want to change my life. I need to be a better person. I actually want to be on this planet until I, until I met Cass and, you know, she was she was the thing that turned it around, and then we we give a lot of credit to the mushrooms in terms of waking us up to spirituality and and those kind of things. But it's just like uh, you know, it's the process of becoming a man, and yeah, I think that's why like I can talk about this stuff now. Where maybe even five years ago, I would be like, I don't want people to know that stuff about me or whatever. But I could talk about it now because I'm like, I became a man. You know what I mean? And like, I think people know me now. Like we're trustworthy people like we're somehow upstanding citizens despite all this fucking craziness i don't really even know what's to to blame for that you know fucking wild man yeah i'm trying to think of you know you had girlfriends like you said you you kind of used or what have you and i was always on this search for a girlfriend most of my younger adult life and uh like looking on it in retrospect I I knew I thought I knew what I was looking for because I was like trying to emulate my parents and I wanted to yeah. have that sort of love in my life. <coughs> At no point was I actually able to have a relationship like that because I had zero understanding of myself. Yeah. So how could I possibly offer somebody anything in a relationship? Yeah. Like maybe I can fake it in some way, but it would just be like a very shallow relationship. Yeah. And thank God, you know, I didn't end up with anybody that I had pursued because it, it would have been a disaster. Yeah. And once you're in relationships, it's what, from what I've seen, it's very hard to get out of them. Oh, yeah. Um, respectfully, but, um, you know, thankfully with Maria, it was like the perfect timing of like that awakening, you know, her wanting to go on a journey with me and, and it's kind of just worked out like it should have. Oh, I mean, it, it worked out perfectly. I mean, I was scared for you a few times with some of the some of the girls you were bringing around, and I'm like, they're cool and they're fun to party with, but like, is this gonna be Jesse's person? <laughs> like, like, can I say something at some point? And is this all, about to be Jesse's? To person? respect to all those people that Sean knows who they all are, like, mm-hmm. they probably just need to find their person at their time. Oh and yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. It just, you know, they're on a journey as well. Yeah, yeah. But like to to what you said, I say this to to young people, like you know who are clearly, you know, they're in their mid-20s, but they're looking for something like this. And I just say to them, like, would you want to date you? And, uh, like, a lot of times that stops people in their tracks. Would you want to date you? You know? And they think about it for a second. It's like, okay, well, be the person you'd want to date, you know? Like, mm-hmm. start, start like, start getting those qualities so you can transmute them, so you have something to offer. And, uh, you know, uh, like, for me, thank God I fucking had filmmaking. Thank God. God, I knew I wanted to be a filmmaker. And then that was not only that, that it was something hard to do and hard to get noticed for or even do because it kept me like humble and hungry. And uh, like it it brought in some focus at a time I think otherwise I 
really could have gone off the rails with just partying and women and stuff like that, which I, I did. Well, at least if you guys are going to go off the rails at some point, you have some good stories to bring back from it, you know? Oh, man. We've seen so many good shows, like classic, that just... That just I, I Sean was telling the story the other day of how you oh man. lost your gla- like the glass. Remember, we we drive out. We're gonna be we're gonna see Screeching Weasel in Chicago. Yep, four days. Day one, we're seeing that we drove twelve hours. We get there, the second the music starts, Crazy Pit breaks out. Your glasses fly off. You find them, but it's missing a frame. And I couldn't stop thinking about it the whole show. I was like, <laughs> what's this weekend about to be? Like, Jesse can't see right now. Like, I, I know that you're not going to say anything about it, but fuck, this, that sucks. That fucking sucks. The whole show goes down. Everything's going crazy. We're like, we find each other after the show. Everyone's leaving. And like, um, I feel something under my foot. And it's the fucking lens of your glasses. And you just pop it back in. Your glasses were fucked up, but like, you could see. And I was just like, whoa, what the fuck? kind of crazy magic we've had a lot of good times in chicago in particular yeah weirdly jesse what my first crowd surfing jesse threw me up there i think it was oh, like yeah. leftover crack or something i was a choking victim oh. uh bouncing souls in plow united and uh no, no there was, was not asbury park or that was a stone pony yeah stone pony? yeah we took a cast down and remember we used to just rent a hotel room and just party we would be fucking crazy before we went into the show and then come and just keep it going for the weekend but that was Cass's first mosh pit. Choking Victim came on, and we got we got in there, and like I think that you were already a fan of Choking Victim, so you were you were bouncing around a little bit. And Jesse just grabbed you and threw you up on top of the crowd. And it's it, very exciting. Yeah, yeah. We've had some fucking good times. This was fun. This was really fun. Yeah, I feel like we could do ten more of these. I and, know. I'm s- and we so should. many things are popping into my head. But what? Well, let's. If if there's anything, let's no, get no, it out this has now. been great. Any, any classic stories? Anything we forgot? Do you think? Well, you know, you you talked about it earlier, and I, I, I think I, I commented, but you were talking about you know all your your dreamscape around here. Yeah. It's interesting because it is similar to mine. Um, I. I think of us living far apart, but really you live like right on the other side of that mountain. And so a lot of my dreams take place more so closer to your house, like Mm. the pit and like the garbage mountain and all these types of things. Yeah. I I think it serves well for, for dreaming um, because you know, the woods, there's just so much variety and, and you know, it's always a little different. Yeah. And so when I look back on these memories, I wonder how many of the memories are accurate or just dreams I had that were similar because there were some wild, wild things that we did back then, and it really like allowed us to like kind of explore mentally of like what we can physically do. Um, yeah, and like just sliding down mountains like no adult supervision, like it 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 kind of like heightens your kind of mental capacity almost, like yeah. of what what's possible and what you can create. Yeah, you know, w- with your own imagination. Yeah. Um, so this this place is pretty magical. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy that of of the three boys that you ended up taking over this house. I'm so glad someone did, and that this is going to be your place. And like, yeah, I don't know the the way the way your life was going. I didn't think you were going to live in New York. I was just like, figured you and Maria were going to settle down in one of these places that uh, you know, you you where you you got set up for work. And then when when you were getting married to her, and she agreed to move here, and you guys were going to take over this place, it's like so perfect and to know that leo and the rest of your kids are going to be raised here it's like i'm psyched for them because you know like like let's face it you are 
Megan's gonna be a better parent than my parents were. You're gonna be a better parent. It's like we're, we're just seem like I'm, like I'm a little more aware of of what that even is. Also, you're you know? older probably than your parents were. When you're they you're had old, you. yeah. Just, uh, or maybe well, not I'm, when they had you, but when they had yeah. You. Basically, I'm the similar age to my parents when they had me. Oh, okay. I'm like a couple of years older or something like that, but yeah. probably mentally younger. How are you loving it so far? Do you have anything to say about fatherhood? Um, lots of say. Um, I would say I was trying to think because I thought we might talk about this a lot more, and yeah, I was trying. We could keep going. I was. Um, Do you want me to put this behind you? Are you hot? I'm getting a little hot. Here I can pull it. Um, because it's interesting because I I want to. You know, at, at times you guys have like kind of seemed interested in maybe doing this at some point. Well, and for I, a while we were going to do it with you, and you know, you still have time. There's there might be another child coming at some point. Okay. Um, but because it's the hardest thing um, that I've ever done. Um, you making it look easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I appreciate that. It but it's a mental thing as much as physical. Um, mm-hmm. being a parent and being a good parent. And, uh, but it's like the most rewarding. And so I think that's probably true for almost anything. Like the harder things you do, the more rewarding they are. And the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. Yeah. And it's just so exciting. Like I just didn't realize how exciting it is of like physically watching something grow and like putting stuff into it and it grows faster (coughs) and I have direct influence on this. And it's like an amazing power. Um, you know, and there's only, you know, they're like, what, you don't know what's going to happen. Like you can read as many books as you want. Yeah. Um, and you might try to do something right and it turns out all wrong. Um, but it's just fun to like, my mind is like science and engineering. And I just like to have like a hypothesis of like, this is what I want to try to do. And then when it works, great. When it doesn't work, I'm just like, well, that's even better. Like Mm. this kid impresses me every single day. And it's just like so exciting to mm-hmm. like you know when it's three o'clock in the morning and i had no sleep and i gotta go get up with them like is that the worst that's eh, pretty bad <laughs> but like <laughs> um but i've 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 lived off of no sleep um most of my life so i'm not gonna blame him for for that uh um is yeah. there a way to do parenting and get sleep like because i mean honestly that's just like one of the hugest fucking turnoffs is like <laughs> right Sleeping pills. Well, and when you first had when you first had Leo, you guys were like, "It's fine. I don't know what anyone's talking about." He sleeps. Yes. So every parent will tell you that there's great times, and then there's just like a couple bad days, or like some of our friends have kids that just didn't sleep for months. Yeah. And it's you know for me you know I have my own hypothesis about this about what I think helps him sleep better longer Mm. and marie and i talk about it i was like okay i think that if we do this routine Mm. it'll result in him going down faster and going down longer and some people hire professionals um my my buddy roberto was just telling me that he hired a a sleep doctor to help with his kids he's like it's amazing what these people teach you and teach your children how to get good sleep wow because kids want sleep they do best with sleep yeah and usually if they're not sleeping, there's something wrong that you need to be there for. So mm. great that they're waking me up to let me help them. Um, but if they are waking up for a different reason, um, you got to work on it. You got to figure it out. Yeah. And that's <laughs> like, I was laughing because I was changing his diapers earlier today. And I was like thinking about talking to Sean about this. I was like, you know, 
I think before having a kid, you think about that being some of the hard stuff, like changing his diapers or like helping him when he falls and he's crying. But like the hardest part is like, yeah, that 3 a.m. random day of the week, (laughs) Marie is out of town or something like that. I'm home by myself. Kids just crying. What do you do? And they give you a guide of like what to do. Like step one, like is he just need to be comforted? Two, like feed him some milk. Three, maybe change him. But then, like, if these things don't work, go back to number one. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah. and it's just like crazy because, like, am I ever going to get out of this? And, mm-hmm. like, I had one night where he was up for from like 3 a.m. to like 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. And I was just sitting there with him for two to three hours. Standoff. And I, and I had no idea. Finally got him to sleep. He slept for another two hours. He wakes up so excited for the day. And I'm sitting there, like, dead. Um, and those are, like, the real challenges. But, like, I think it makes us both stronger, like, mm. in the end. Like, mm. okay, like, I got through that. Um, what else can he throw at me this yeah. time? Um, you know, I can't wait until he's uh, 15 years old to keep me up at night like my brother did to my mother of, like, not calling and not knowing what he's doing. Like, that, that's worse. Oh, God. At least you know, now you know where he is. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah. Like, Cass doesn't know. I just let him get even just further out. <laughs> I just let him out of the house. <laughs> Uh, well, besides that, this will bring it full circle. Besides, besides that, which I think we touched on, what do you think? Uh, wh- what do you? Wh- what can you take from Bob Lubbers? You know, like what do you want to impart, like from the way you were raised on Leo? Um, I think about this a lot, and there's a lot of things my dad did, and I think it was for his own personal benefit, but it benefited us, mm-hmm. me and you, yeah, of yeah. like kicking us out of the house. Yeah. He did not want to see me yeah. during the day, most of the days on the weekends. Yeah. And he would just kick us out. And yeah. we'd be sitting in the yard. And, like, there was plenty of stuff to do. Yeah. And, like, we were just forced to kind of – and there was no, like, hey, Jess, we're going to go play baseball together. Like, no. Like, he would just – I would go outside and there was, like, a wiffle ball, like, chewed up by the lawnmower that I would try to hit with a baseball bat. or. Yeah go into the woods and like find some copper pipe and make something out of it. Yeah. But like really pushing me out, out of my comfort zone yeah. and out, um, often, mm. um, with something. And, you know, he was not the one that would ever show up to baseball games or all that kind of stuff. So like in some ways, maybe that made me stronger of not needing like kind of outside praise yeah. to like get through, Yeah. you know, be, be proud of myself or something like that. I don't know. Mm. Um, so these are the types of things like, I want to be there every moment for my kid. I want to play every game with him, but is that beneficial to him? Mm. Probably not. Yeah. And yeah. You know, the whole idea of independent play, like I'm trying to do it now. Like how much fun is it to play with an 18 month old, like in his room with his toys? It's a tremendous amount of fun sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but really I want him to play. Yeah. I kind of want to watch it, but like, it's even better if I'm not watching it mm. and he's doing something and I hear him laughing in his room. Like that's like a job well done when he's in his room by himself laughing and yeah. I don't hear him crying. Um, so I think some of those things of like pushing us out. It, it made us more creative. I, I remember entire days like where we didn't want to stop. We're playing in the sandbox and Jamie's hanging out with us and we're playing with the Star Wars and the, the He-Man guys and we're making stories and sometimes filming them and, and like just like having so much fun. Smash up Derby. We would like you know take our legos and it would we would have to figure out like how to make the strongest ship because we we're going to smash them into each other mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure jamie was gluing his now that i think about it 
Jamie was definitely gluing his because because there was no way you could never even get one off. Like ours would like you know you 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 go round after round and like you know until yeah. your thing couldn't go anymore and that was the winner. But yeah. Yeah, Jamie never even lost any of them. And and growing up with with like Jamie and Chuck in the background, his his best friend and them being like punks that were a little older than us and they fucked with us. I remember coming down here i rode my bike here and i i we went walked down to delhi we came back and my bike was up in that tree i remember that i day. couldn't fucking get it down and they didn't care like it was i, I love that i kind of yeah. like they were such dicks yeah you know fucking such dicks it was great yeah that was a it was really fun you know what you know what's a story that uh i i fucking i wish we would have weaved it in there but it, i i still want to hear you tell it that when you almost got the perfect game in bowling Oh, that Je- was Jesse's the, the and I'm not even trying to blow smoke. Jesse's the best natural bowler I've ever seen. I watch Sunday bowling on ESPN. It, they have to have all these balls and this right and the oil pattern. Jesse could take any ball <laughs> at any alley, any weight, and just stick two fingers in it and whip it in a way that like he just it, in the pocket. It's hard to do. It's it, bowling's harder than people think. And a perfect game is what twelve strikes in a row. 13, uh, I thought. Is it 13? 9 plus 3, 12. 12. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So I uh, was up in Oneonta, I think it was, and I just started playing. I think I was there, like, having a night of, we were we had watched that. What's that bowling movie that everybody likes? Kingpin? No, the other one. Um, eh, whatever. Oh. And they were drink, like, White Russians. Oh, oh, Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski. And so I think we went there. It was, like, a college. You know, we were just drinking White Russians there. And I was just, like, picking up any ball that was there and just, like, trying to see if I can throw strikes. And, like Sean said, like, two fingers, just throw it in there. And I ended up getting ten strikes in a row. And, like, you know, the whole bowling alley <laughs> starts watching at that point. I'm just a complete jackass when I'm up there. You know, I'm usually wearing... I think at the time I had stolen bowling shoes from another bowling alley and I had to cover them up. I had put, you know, leopard print on oh, them. fur. Yeah. Fur. And yeah. like my feet were like about a thousand degrees at that point, you know, <laughs> you know, and they're in my cargo shorts and like probably wearing my uh, lose deli shirt, like yeah. dirty with ham stains on it or whatever. And, and, and there's no set approach. Like Je- Jesse's approach yeah, is like, different just, every time. Like, He'll like, go running like, from sitting down and just throw a strike. Yeah. And I think like... It pisses everybody off that yeah. likes or is good at bowling or thinks yeah. they're good at bowling. And, and, like, all my friends were just, like, cheering beyond cheering. <laughs> and then, yeah, to get 10 strikes in a row and then, you know, finish with a spare was Oof. very upsetting. What did you get, a 298? No, because 298, you have to get 11 oh, in a row. Oh, okay. So I got 10 in a row. I think it was a 280 I got. <sighs> Dude. Man. Yeah. Have you ever gotten a, a perfect game? No. We should work on that. We should. I haven't bowled in a very long time. Dude, um, if you ever want to, if you ever want to join a league, because like you saw, Cass and I will drive up every Tuesday for yeah. darts if you want to do it. Yeah. But uh, bowling would be, I think, even more fun, and you can win some money at the end if you, you know, like you know, yeah. Well, because the bowling, the best about the leagues is the games beyond the game. You're playing card games. There's some sort of jackpot. You're you know, betting. You're, you know, you get your number called if you throw a strike on the, the fifth frame. You get yeah. extra money. Yeah. It was always a lot of. You fun. come out of there toasted and like with like sixty bucks in your pocket and you're feeling great. I, bowling, bowling is the best. I made that movie The Bowler because that's how we grew up. We grew up in bowling alleys around guys like a million guys like that and you know I, I just met one of them in the real world and i was like you're my guy but uh yeah so many fucking legendary bowling i, me- I mentioned that to maria maria could not believe that you 
watched ESPN on the weekend bowling and would know like oil patterns and oh, know yeah. know the stats of some guy. Oh yeah. And like I was like I was like yeah I was like this is like after college or maybe yeah. during college after college and like we. <laughs> We're sitting there, like, we go get a, a sandwich from San Sada, like, mm-hmm. sit there with an Arizona iced tea and, like, intently watch bowling on the weekend. Yeah. Like, get really into get it. Get really into it. And go bowling ourselves for hours. Like, the bowling alley, I don't know if they loved or hated us. Because we were just, like, a ragtag group of punks that would come in there, barely spend Th- any money. There was money. a thin slice that liked us. Yeah. Like, some of the workers there mm-hmm. liked us. And then there was, like, some adults that liked us because they were excited to see young kids get into the game. Yeah, yeah, it's very much an old person sport in most yeah. towns, and yeah. like we would bring in crowds of people. Yeah, I know, and and we would get multiple teams. Like one yeah. year, I think we had four different teams yeah. in the league, and like yeah. these leagues were suffering to like even stay alive at that time. Yeah, um, we brought in some magic, man. Yeah, we fucking and and our dart teams forget about it. Like some of the most magical, crazy, and also heartbreaking nights of our lives. Yeah, know, playing darts. It's surprising that you guys are both so good at things and i wonder if it's because of each other yeah probably right definitely because of each other you know if i didn't have to compete with anybody um yeah what's the point of trying harder um and because you know with both darts and polling you know we both pride ourselves and not like you know being very formal or very like um specific with training and the all guy that with the arm guard and the fucking perfect thing you know yeah like i like to get like a pair of house darts and, like when i go to the bar like use sean's or whoever's yeah and just toss them we um, played the whole season with those woodies yeah yeah <laughs> if fucking i have a plaque at the brewery from that season yeah. i was on acid every single fucking week you know like yeah i think i think we, i mean we got ungodly good at mario kart like r- ridiculous to the point where at, at my 40th birthday we had set up my old Nintendo 64 and it has all those time trials on it and uh you know the young bucks Joey and C. Oh, how much does Joey owe me? Joey already owes you 2 bucks and and, <laughs> and counting. So uh, we we said to Joey, go in there and you could spend all night, all week, whatever playing this. You will never beat the time trial records we've set on there. We like that's how good we got it. Nobody could beat us at at this game. And he's like, yeah, right, I'm so good at this, whatever, I'm going to try. And what did you say you get? I said, every time you try and you don't do it, you owe me five cents. Yeah. But if you ever beat me, I'll give you 20 bucks. A hundred? Oh, 100? I thought it was 10 cents and a hundred dollars. Oh, yeah. So, something like that. He's like, uh, he's like, I got this. And then like, we went to L.A. for a week and he stayed at my apartment and just worked on it all week. He didn't beat <laughs> one record. He's like, I owe Jesse two bucks. He's like, I'm going to let it build up more before I ever pay him, but... Yeah, we we got so good at that, and it, like honestly, that's why me moving to Florida was a great thing because I don't think I've played video games since then. I fucking got into art and girls and like stuff that like my whole life is about now. So you know, took a break, and then when we came back together, we fucking took over this town. <laughs> <laughs> Made a lot of friends, a lot of enemies. I, you know what I'm proud of is you moved back here and man was there a lot of weird blood and you just fucking nobody has beef with you or anything like you can talk to anyone anywhere and like sometimes you I'll, I'll go out and like i haven't been around in a while and i'm a little skittish and you're like oh no i'm cool with him now i'm like what you know there's no time for that shit anymore yeah i love that about you I, you know i love that you realize that because it's so if so and, and i feel the same way if you're harboring harboring resentment towards somebody that the joke's on you really yeah it's fucking and it sucks and but it so flies in the face of the guys we were and we who we came up being and the kind of guys we grew up around who we all valued grudges we all valued like these dumb 
fucking masculine tendencies that yeah. don't serve you into life at all. So, you know. I want to jump back to uh, the Bob Lubbers thing because I did some yeah. more thinking on it while we were talking. Yeah. <laughs> Another really cool thing, and I think you don't have it, but I do, which is, well, maybe you do have it now, but my, oh, we were, like, having to be able to react to whatever's happening, right? And that yeah. included a lot of traveling. Yeah. So my dad would always travel for work, and sometimes we'd go with him or visit him when he was away. And, like, you know, one hotel room, and there's, like, seven of us staying there and, like, sleeping on the floor as kids. And, yeah. you know, like, or, like, just run right on the weekend. Like, yeah, I'm getting tossed at some other kid's house. And I remember, like, sleeping on your um, bench press you had in your room. Oh, when you my were, God. Like, because, like, you're, you had hardwood floors, a yeah. water bed. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to sleep in a bed with my, you yeah. know, cousin here <laughs> in a water bed. I think I tried to one time, and I was, like fell underneath yeah it. and so i would like either like oh i'm sleep on the hardwood floor like you would think that maybe a parent would come in there and say oh we should set up a bed for jesse no it he's was... here all the time <laughs> um but like i was like i sleep on a weight set so like i i grew up with like kind of this i'm fine with any situation yeah. type of mentality and like it allowed me to like go places and stay places that other people would be uncomfortable like oh we need to go get a hotel or oh, something like I, that. that's how i am i can't like you, how specific i am about my accommodations is it's it's <laughs> ridiculous it's, it's like and cool. yet, traveling like i i would go to your house i don't know if that would pack me clothes or like yeah. toiletries like i would just wing you, it wherever i would was just get off the bus at my house on friday yeah and we would drop you back off here on sunday i'm pretty sure you didn't have any extra clothes or anything like that I don't know how that all worked. Remember we used to go up with your dad to Buffalo and stay at that hotel and just play pool? Yeah. We, was, we, I, I think it was Rockchester. It was a Holiday Inn oh with yeah. like a glass roof. Yeah. And, yeah, playing tag and, and, and billiards. And Paperboy was the video game there. Great fucking game. I forgot about that game. It was a great game. Yeah. And we we got really into pool uh, when I moved to Florida. You know, I had no friends down there, and you just stayed that first summer with me. And we just went CM's to CM's Palace, CM's CM's place that we called CM's Palace. And we were the only kids in there by far. Everybody was like in their fifties and sixties. What kind of it was a it was a billiards hall with a bar, but they also served Mountain Dew and hot pockets. Oh, it was like perfect. It's like how are all kids here? I know five <laughs> min five minutes away. I can't believe they even let us in there. We're fifteen years old. And we would just play pool all day for on the cheap. And the, this fucking ancient owner of the place, who was probably in his 80s, would come over and like teach us how to play pool. And like, it was such co such fucking. Co I'm surprised my parents didn't question what we were doing during the. This is a huge benefit to our childhood. Just to put a point on that, that is hard to do nowadays because you can track everyone everywhere they're going. You could pay such close attention, but. Uh, our parents almost didn't want to know what we were doing, yeah. Because that's how they—that's how they came up, and th their parents didn't know or couldn't keep track of them because they're—you know—our moms are one of nine, you know. They—they they didn't want to know, and it, and it afforded us a lot of freedom and creativity, and made us better motherfuckers ultimately. Yeah, I don't—I don't—I can't imagine doing that, but I, I got to get myself in that mindset because yeah, yeah. It, you don't want a kid having to explain to you or like as worst case they're gonna lie yeah i know and, and like yeah. my parents n really didn't put me in many positions to lie i yeah. i've misled them a few times when i was in high school but like i didn't i don't know if i ever bluntly lied to them did they know that you had parties here when you when they would go out of town yeah like i always left something behind and they somewhat expected it, but they just wanted the house clean. Like, they yeah. would leave the house, like, more of a mess when they left, and it would probably end up being cleaner when they came home. Yeah, yeah. But I would be stupid and, like, leave the trash at the mailbox or, like, yeah. I would have leftover beers and would like, what am I going to do with them? I'm supposed to leave them in the fridge. Yeah. Um, 
Um, so like, but they just never cared. So I didn't feel the need to hide it from them. Yeah. Um, they were, they were just worried about their <laughs> homeowner's insurance and someone getting hurt here, which they did. And, uh, thankfully I don't think there was any claims from my parties, but I, I mean, my, I'll, I'll still have that moment where I'm like falling asleep at night and I'll imagine that moment where I was standing up on the fucking, I jumped off the top of the roof into your pool. I mean, this pool's fucking five feet deep. Yeah, it's deep. And and you have a short roof, which you would always hate it when at the time of the night and a party is like, well, people are jumping off the roof into the pool. This is bad news. And then one time, I remember it was pouring rain, and J- me and Jamie are wasted, and he's like, let's go up on the top one, and we get up there. Wait, we, that one? We jumped from that. Yeah, and it's and it's on a slant, so you have to go running up and out, and you have to... You don't see the pool you until about two feet f- from the yeah, jump. Yeah, and you have to like angle your ass because your your ass is hitting the bottom. But that's what you, if anything, that's what you want to hit the bottom. So, but I'll still get jol- jolted awake by like that memory. Like fucking Jesus Christ, I could have ruined my life that night. Yeah. Like holy fuck. Yeah. And that's wow. what alcohol does to you. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, uh, yeah, we'll do this again. We'll have fun, and we'll try to get other family members on here. This is a, it's, it's a bit of a self-indulgent one, but I feel like people could take a lot away from this. And if you listen to this, you're a fucking homie. You're in the family now, homie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to leave my last name off of the podcast. Oh, so we're just going to Cousin Jesse. Cousin Jesse. Yeah. Cousin yeah. Jesse, yeah. yeah. We, we don't need... We didn't even get in... I mean, there's some more damning things that I think... Oh, there's stuff that I'm like, man, I hope he doesn't bring that up, you know, because I don't want to have to talk about... <laughs> there's just there's just some things, but, you know, you never know. <laughs> You never know. Maybe it'll come out in, in due time. I'm close to retirement. Who knows? Yeah, nothing yeah. going to be holding it against me now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Too so fun. Love Peace, love, and magic.